Welcome to South London Hardcore. I'm Jack McEnroy. Steve Walsh, my co-host. Hello. And our guest today, Stephen Graham. Hello, I'm here. <laughs> it's not. Sorry, that didn't mean to be so jaunty. It's not a school register. Uh, yes, sir. Sir. We know you're here. We can see you. They can hear you. You don't need to. Professor at the. No. Oh, go on. Doctor. Lecturer. Well, my official title is Early Career Scholar in Music. Wow, that's better than yeah. all those other words. Do you think? Because when yeah. I got the early yeah. thing, I thought that was. I thought that was degrading. No, <laughs> but it is early. But they, I but early. Scholar, yeah. scholar dragged it back up again, didn't it? At the University at of Goldsmiths. Goldsmiths. Yeah, yeah. At Goldsmiths University. Mm-hmm. Either one. University of Goldsmiths. Goldsmiths College, actually. <laughs> Goldsmiths College, University of London. But yeah. never University of Goldsmiths. Never. Ever. Never. Except for <laughs> them. And even then, not really. It's another academic institution in South London we're looking at today, though. The Brit School in Selhurst. It's a school for the performing arts. Do they do academic classes there as well? Can you do Well, like... they, do, they do, as far as I know, they do... Uh, some, but it's always based around the vocational things. So it's always based around musical performances and musical themes and things like that. So you can do like GCSE chemistry. No, got, no, right. but you can do GCSE English and stuff like that. But it has right. to be kind of themed towards. And then they obviously, I don't think they do A levels. They do the BTEC thing. Okay. I mean, yes, for children, kids, adolescents, aged fourteen to nineteen. So it's not like there's like they've got to learn how to read or anything, is it? Do you know what I mean? No, they do GCSE and then they mm. do BTEC, as far as I know. So it's literally based on the school from fame. Yeah. That's the model. Yeah, I it? only realised that on the way here. Um, leg leg warmers 19... are obligatory then. Like that's, that's <laughs> the there's no tyre, there's no jacket, but you must wear neon pink leg warmers. We've put together a playlist of Brit School alumni, groups, individuals, all different kinds of genres. Before we put the needle on the record, a quick shout out for our live show on the 5th of January. It's at the Old King's Head on Borough High Street just metres away from the uh, tube entrance there. 6.30pm doors, 7.30 show starts, more details. Full details on com. There's no more details than that. <laughs> Hashtag SLHC live, if you want to talk about it on Twitter. At SLHC if you want to tweet us. com for everything else. 96 other episodes on iTunes get stuck in. On the website you can play all these tracks. Obviously we can't put them on the podcast, unfortunately, because we will probably get it removed off iTunes. Copyright infringement, Steve, which I know you don't care about. But I'm not too fast. I also find it very unlikely that Leona Lewis is like it's just scanning through iTunes. No, like, they've got algorithms. Hardcore, and right? They've yeah. got programs that yeah, will just yeah. take you off, man. Can't we um, put the songs up inverted like they do with YouTube videos? Yeah, put, put it up backwards. Play it back backwards. Or just put all the satanic messages. Uh, pitch shifts. Uh, you know, yeah, change my yeah. pitch off, isn't it? Yeah. And also on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash We'll put a playlist as well, so you can just literally click on track one and it'll play the playlist through. Right, side one, track one, Amy Winehouse, Tears Dry on Their Own. Start with your strongest, I reckon. The most acclaimed British singer of the last how many years? AJ loves her. Yeah, we did an interview with AJ from Hard Noise, which will be uh, surfacing at some point, and uh, he won't stop talking already yeah. we've, we've, we've cut out a 10 minute sequence where he just explains why Amy Winehouse is the greatest singer of all time loved isn't she yeah she's great my mum loves her my mum's got a, a documentary about Amy Winehouse on her DVR she watches it at least once a week yeah. and she'll tell me about bits of it over and over she's told me before and I, I feel like I've watched the documentary she just is obsessed well she she had that sweet spot didn't she Amy Winehouse between Big pastiche uh, youth things 
uh, all sorts of musical references and, and traditions that she's plugging into. Um, yeah, she was. She did yeah, well. yeah, and now she's hit. She's hit the biggest sweet spot, which is dying early. For in terms of commercially, as well. obviously, I'm not. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. stylistically, she's very traditional yeah. and based on uh, music from the past. But then she was working with Ronson, who's yeah. like, you know, a very uh, a, a producer. You know, seen as being at the cutting edge of things. Well, it wasn't is so it? much the Ronson aspect. Do you know what I mean, I, I don't. It's prominent. It's prominent. Then, yeah. To me, well, just very quickly, my my, you know, I've said this a lot of times, but my thing about Amy Winehouse is she works against the the thing in her music is that it could be taken as just straight pastiche. She's just you know, nineteen sixty, so she's you know, um, reggae now and then. Well, yeah, uh, but these, there's these various uh, traditions that she's kind of plugging into and kind of drawing from, and without her though, without her kind of performative kind of input and without her kind of uh, vocal kind of invention and vocal kind of slurriness and vocal kind of um, uniqueness I guess for me it wouldn't work but because you have that tension between her her kind of persona and her kind of vocal gesture or language and then the kind of music which it seems to be harking back because of that tension it really really works whereas in something like Duffy where she is both vocally and musically kind of pastiching older things there isn't a tension there so it doesn't quite work for me I don't know whether you want tension in your music or not, but I kind of do. I want some sort of, I want some sort of cultural input. Don't just want a kind of a harking back, unless it's purpose of. So yeah, that's why I think she's very interesting. When I first heard her, you see, you say pastiche, and I, I thought it was like a parody. I thought it was like a spoof record. Well, pastiche is a polite way of saying parody. That, and that's the thing. Like, what I, the first track of hers I heard was um, rehab. Is that what song's called? Yeah, yeah. And there's the bit where she's talking about. Uh, my daddy says I'm fine. No, about so the no, oh, no. Oh, well, can't think of And I was like, is this some sort of novelty record? Yeah, I thought yeah, it was like yeah, Mr. Blobby or something. It comes off as that, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without, without that context. Yeah, that's yeah, the thing. Yeah. Just hearing it as a, as a vocal performance, I was like, who's this joker? What's, what's going on there? And then you're like, oh, it's all about this harrowing experience that she's actually lived through. Yeah. But that's not why well, I yeah, got the music. Yeah, there's the biographical tension as well. Yeah, that's the thing. I didn't get any of that from the performance. So, but then. But when you see her doing even that song, which is at the apex of her, of the the kind of problematic strains in her music which is just what's the point of it when you see her doing that live it's so rich and it's so yeah. kind of filled with just just absolute um, dynamism like because she, she brings all that to it I hate looking at music through a biographical lens like because so, it's a kind of a lazy and limiting way to do things but when you come to it with that kind of knowledge of where she's coming from and what she's bringing to the performance it's, it's just incredible but I found then once I knew about her you say come with knowledge informs it yeah. but for me at that point I found all of her performances and productions overshadowed by the persona right yeah, yeah I mean yeah. I, at that point I couldn't yeah. I, I, thought I didn't enjoy it for a different reason I don't, mm. I don't, I've never really enjoyed her music and as I say at first I thought it was and I was like I don't know if I should be listening to this I'm not really enjoying this I don't think of you know, I don't want to hear about someone uh, seeing about struggling rehab like this and uh, yeah I just I just found it very sort of hard to sort of shake right. the biographical thing TMI yeah. too much yeah absolutely yeah were you aware of her with her first album though, before all that yeah I'd not really listened no. to it but um, I I was aware of Frank Kim when it mm. came out it was fairly big wasn't it not, yeah, not yeah. nearly as big as the next album well, she, she was, she was up much more within a kind of a so. jazz place with that first album I remember I, saw, I seen her on some program, she just did a solo performance with a guy playing guitar, proper kind of jazz chords and all that. And I thought, who is she? You know, she's got she's an edge as well, different. though, isn't she? I mean, obviously, she 
her look is is uh, striking. You yeah, know, the hair yeah, and stuff, yeah. and even before she was like heroin thin. Um, but there's that song on there with the. Uh, what kind of fuckery is this? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. On the yeah. first album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, That's so great. She's not not afraid to you know use no, no. Uh, salty. Oh, that becomes a selling. <laughs> <laughs> that becomes... <laughs> was that was that was that used in the promotional copy? Because yeah. I would I would certainly if I if I was a record company executive I'd be like not afraid to use salty language, <laughs> like South London hardcore. Although it does become a kind of a selling point, doesn't it? Her edge. But, that, but that's another thing where, yeah, uh, uh, again, by the time people are going to me, she's got an edge. I, see, she, uh, I right. just never got any of this from any, right. any of it. I never really... I never really... Um, I felt the same way, really. Like, I'd never... Like, Rehab was, you know, catchy. Whatever. It's, so Rehab's not on this first album that you're talking about? No, no it's no, on no, the second no, no, album. No, no, yeah. I know Rehab was the, the, one, it was the big no, breakthrough no, for her. That was not, the Ronson yeah, stuff, not really, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. where I yeah, yeah, yeah. first heard... That's a Rehab, I'd never heard of her before. So there's no famous songs from the first one? Well, they became... They became retrospectively, because especially when she died... You know, both because there was only a limited repertoire of her stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like it all kind of was brought up, dragged up. Yeah. So unfortunate metaphor to use, but yeah. Um, well, why? Because it invokes her stomach being pumped. You mean? No, because she's dead, and yeah. Oh, so big Sahum in there. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm glad we went into detail. Because <laughs> uh, it was an unfortunate <laughs> phrase, but well, if we could just clarify and really, really examine it closely, we could probably get something out of it. But uh, why did you pick this one? I never really got into it in yeah. White House. Like, it was huge. Like Rehab, I thought was quite catchy. I never really got into it. But when uh, me and Lakeisha we lived in um, Peckham slash Nunhead, we were never quite sure. Like round the border on Gortry Road, postman had a nightmare. No, but you've, seriously, some posts would say Nunhead, some would say Peckham. You know, you did, you really, it was a strange time and a strange place to. <laughs> but no, we never heard anything from our neighbours, right? Yeah. The people upstairs, like directly above us, which was great because, like, when someone is upstairs, in yeah, there, sort yeah, of, yeah. Uh, is it Edwardian, Steve Georgian? Not Georgian, is it Edwardian? Yeah. 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 Um, it can be an absolute nightmare. The next yeah. place we live is just like boom, boom, boom oh, the whole time. Christ. But then it's one Sunday morning, right? They put this track on. I'd never heard it before, mm. and they must have listened to it like seven or eight times in a row. <laughs> And like I came out of it just like this is great, like <laughs> like it was the only time I, I need ever to heard from them. to these people because they're not playing this song enough. I think it might have even been consecutive Sundays, but I, but this one really grabbed me. And even now, like I think this is such a great track, and but it's the only thing of hers that I would ever really put on. Yeah, well, there's a freshness to it, isn't there? There's a kind of an energy to it that marks it out from the kind of melancholy of like you know, back to black, all those things. They're kind of I don't know, they're kind of depressive, or there's there's some atmosphere to them which is a bit. Hard to live with, I don't know. But with this, there's a real kind of vitality to it. Yeah, I love that. The, like the, uh, is it? A, is it like a drum roll on the rim? Is it? Uh, it's kind of a little paradiddle, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. Is, is it? A, yes. Um, mm-hmm. She walks. Yeah. 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 yeah it's a little just, drum fill. Yeah. I don't know actually what. Right, yeah. It just like sounds like it's on the edge of the drum to me. But mm. I'm no expert on percussion. Um, but yeah, it's an Ain't No Mountain High Enough uh, interpolation. Mm. And there's a ballad version on Lioness Hidden Treasure. You heard that? Yes, no, yeah. I just read about that. Yeah, earlier. it just sort of sucks the life out of it. To Does honest. it? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> but that's, all, that's, that's not a fair. Well, well no, it's, it's hard when you're a fan of Of course. With, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. It is. It is. But um, it's just like AN of a ballad at that point, I think. Yeah, whereas, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, This is just so full of life. This, and this what about version. the video? She's walking down the street, is she? Well, it's strange to me because it's in America. That's the reason I bring it up. Yeah, um, it's in LA and it's kind of it's a big director, isn't it? David Lachapelle. Dave Chappelle, yeah. yeah, Dave Chappelle. Is it David Lachapelle? Isn't it? She's not really. Burn the bear. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, well, you know. Um, 
Well, the video does something interesting to me in terms of producing her as an artist because that video came soon, as far as I know, came soon after Rehab, which is a big breakthrough in America. So that video has her walking down the street. The music itself is obviously within an American tradition. sounds very American. So the video seems to be playing into that idea of her as working within that kind of context. So um, I was just interested in what that contributed to the kind of reception of her in America. But mm-hmm. yeah, because she's such a British artist in a way. But then yeah, she's been placed so. into that kind of context, so... But yeah. Talking of videos, have you seen the one of her and Pete Doherty playing? Remember? Yes, wonderful. Have you seen this? No, I haven't. No. If I, I tell you what times. happens in this video, you'll think I'm. I think you've it told up. me what happens in it before. And actually. you thought I was it's making it up. Nice. It's, yeah. yeah, it's a uh, such an odd thing to exist. In. It looks like if you sort of like squinted while you're watching it, you'd imagine it was like a little Britain sketch. <laughs> Where it's like comedy actors dressed up as people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why would people Both actually do this? Or something. Yeah, yeah. But no, it's two, these two people doing this thing. It's pretty grim. Although, yeah, you know, very odd. there's been moments in my life that I wouldn't have wanted filmed and made public. So. Yeah, but this is the thing. You didn't. They did. <laughs> they did this is yeah. the, the odd thing. It's not I like they, they wanted it made public, did they? Why did they film it? Well, wow. massively high on crack, yeah. Steve. <laughs> <laughs> it's, an interesting com- <laughs> it's an interesting comparison point, though, Pete Doherty or yeah. her, isn't it? Because mm. culturally they fulfil a very similar function, but then she had the music to kind of back it up. Yeah, well, I really like some Pete Doherty stuff. I think he did. He just recorded some great songs. Personally, I know people. He didn't bother to uh, sell them on record. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it doesn't help that a lot of them are not recorded very well. Yeah, but um, I think that first Liberty, Libertines record is brilliant. The second one, I think there's a couple of gems. Is that all that stuff? It's all that stuff. Yeah, I mean that's Carl Barrett. You're doing an impression of, but the good one. I wanted to talk about how she pronounces responsibility in it. Just her voice is so great in it, man. Responsibility. Oh I mean that's the kind of unique. Well, what makes it unique? Yeah, she's always seems to be struggling against herself, and she always seems to be hearing a performance that no one else is hearing, which is wonderful. When she's performing live, she. Every time she kind of phrases something, there's a look of disappointment in there. There's a kind of a, a problem with her soul that none of us are privy to, but we see it and we're fascinated by. And you find that with some singers where they're hearing this performance, but we're not hearing it. Like with Brian Wilson in the latter days, because his, his voice isn't so pristine as it used to be in the 60s, he sings and he's aware that there's a problem with the voice. And none of us care because we're there for the, for the story and we, we connect with him. But... He, he's, he's so troubled every time he sings All he cares about is purity of tone. All he sound, cares is the purity of tone and the yeah. intonation and all that. And it's the same thing with her. She's singing and she looks so troubled by something. And she's really struggling with how she's approaching the line of the song. And I just love that. that that's the, the core thing for me with her. That's why I think she was so such an interesting performer. Track two, KTB, Katie on a Mission. I want to sing it. Go on, everyone. In this room of darkness, it. we... Oh, no, I'm not going to sing it. Sorry. It's great. <laughs> I really liked it. So I'd never heard any Katie so before. I'd heard of her. She's great. But I'd never heard any of her music. And I didn't know what to expect. There were a lot of posters when this album came out. This single, sorry. Yeah, she made right. a big impact. And she continues to. And it's nice as well because one of the things I realised from listening to a lot of tracks from people who go to the Brit School is there's clearly very definite types that emerge. Yeah. As in female singers with a certain kind of voice. And she's got that and could quite easily go the route of very standard croonery type things but instead sort of goes no I'm probably going to do some like drum and bass stuff and like mess around my voice a little bit and like that's much more interesting isn't it well she's properly a part of the dubstep scene yeah absolutely properly part of Rinse FM and all that well this song is uh, produced by Benga yeah Yeah. so amazing it's well 
Katie B is really interesting because she comes from the course that I teach on now in Goldsmiths. I missed her by a couple Quiet. of years. But one of my co- one of my colleagues uh, was kind of her her kind of one to one tutor for right. the whole time he she was there. So I'm all, every time I see him, I go, "Tell me more about Katie B, will you?" Because I love her. I've it's seen her live a couple of times. She's great. <laughs> but he, so he, baby, he, he, you know, she baby Katie. Yeah, that's another, yeah. She's kind of in herself. She's a bit kind of naive as a person, but musically, he said she was always really kind of on point, and she was always really engaged with. Um, new, stuff. Yeah, yeah, but but the other side of things that that we try and do in Goldsmiths, which is try and pair that up with kind of cultural analysis and thinking about music in those ways, she wasn't so good on. But yeah, he he said he was at a resource buffer, and he said she wasn't amazing as a singer, but um, no, I think she is. I think she's oh. great. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen her live. She's you know, but she's it's one of those things where I, you'd probably say she ha- she hasn't got the scales that Amy Winehouse or Leon Lewis has got. I think she's much more interested in what she chooses to yes. sing about and how she chooses to sing and the music she chooses to involve herself. I with. think having, uh, I mean, we'll probably talk about X Factor at various points in the show, and you're a big fan, Stephen. Massive. Um, Best and worst program on television. I think what a lot of the contestants fail to grasp on it, and probably the judge, no, probably not the judges, probably yes, the, the contestants, is that um, having a great voice is not like. It's quite low, far down the list on what makes great songs and great artists. Absolutely. Well, I disagree because um, having a great voice makes a great artist, but a great voice isn't so limited to being able to hit the centre of a note too often. Yeah, all right, let me, yeah, right, yeah. Let me rephrase. Like, obviously, they'll say, yeah. like, I think Dylan's got a great voice. That's not really what I mean. But yeah. you know what I mean? Having a yeah, traditionally yeah. great voice, great if voice you, technically yeah. great voice, if you like. Well, we're going to talk with Jessie J later, and she's great on this because she has a great, technically, technically really strong voice, but... Yes, this is the thing, it's the technically very strong voices that are doing technically very strong things mm. that bore me to tears. Yeah. I want people, ideally with broken Steve's voices... Steve's favourite band is The Force. So, <laughs> there you go. And, like, and it's quite funny, like, uh, um, hey, hey. Fr- friend of the show, Alan Zadie, uh, came in today. Up, Alan? And uh, we were listening to the Bob Dylan Christmas album, and he was saying about how bad Oh my God, what an album. It's I love tremendous, it. I isn't love it? it. What's great about it, and this is a massive segue, and we'll probably need to cut it, but what's great about it is, Dylan goes... Right, I'm going to sing in the way I normally do, I mean, but we'll do very traditional arrangements, yeah, yeah. orchestration. So you don't have to. But I'm not going to change my voice to make it sound traditional, and you're not going to change the music to make it sound like a Dylan album. And we'll just play it and see what happens. And he's like, "This is brilliant." But Alan was like saying, "Yeah, he didn't like Bob Dylan." He's like, "Yeah, it's like Tom Waits, isn't it terrible?" I was like, "No." And then uh, we just like make it no list and of, no. Yeah, and and then he was like, um, "Yeah, you know," he said. Uh, yeah, I mean, don't tell Jack, but Morrissey's another one I'm not fond of. I'm like, is there any good singers that I, you do like? I'll take that shout out back, I love it. <laughs> but it just seems, uh, and, and this is the thing, these are the, the vocalists that I'm interested in, these people yeah. that have non-orthodox voices. You know, Kevin Rowland, a great example, where he's got mm. a brilliant voice, well, a great range, the... but he'd never think to do a very standard version of a song. He's always going to go nuts at some point, isn't he? And it's great, that's what you're waiting for, that's the bit yeah. you're looking for. Absolutely, and I say I get an element of that KTB mm. where with the, the vocal choices she makes, where you go, "Oh right, that's not something that someone would normally do in that." that, that yeah, she's musically very interesting. She's mm. always very sensitive to kind of what's happening at every moment in the song. Yeah, she's great. Also, um, and this is probably unfair to do this, but um, she's from Peckham, and the video shot is. in Greenwich, so you know. My friend Tabo, who's been on the show, who's on the uh, Black History Month episode last October, so scroll through the episode guide on Southland Half Hot. Com. You'll enjoy that one, won't they, Steve? Mm. They will. Did you listen to it? Yeah, of course. Good. We is us, isn't it? 
<laughs> yeah, Tabo directed a, a music video for Milky Mans, which is Nicky S and Nike. People will know them. They're a the garage hit. We've hey mentioned Nikki. them on um, yeah, this episode yeah. Well. They, they, they filmed, the videos. He filmed two music videos back to back for them, and one of them was Oyo Savolo, which I'm in waving a Savolo, and the other one is um, Things on My Mind featuring Baby Katie. And I, ah, yeah. I did a little bit. I did some of the reshoots on it. Basically, I filmed a bit with uh, Nicky S uh, having his car cleaned by Danny C. Um, and it's it's good. The video. Like, I'm sure. The trouble is on YouTube. It's got. Um, it thinks the car being cleaned. I'm sure it's great. On on YouTube, right? The video. Uh, a. They don't mention Katie B in the description or the title. Foolishly, um, because obviously it's pre that. But you know, up yeah, yeah, yeah. to YouTube. Yeah. And the other thing is, you know, you get like a thumbnail on YouTube like any point in the video and you get to pick from about five and the yeah. one that they've gone for is a close up on the screen of a piece of paper that says record contract on it <laughs> it's like the worst bit of the video I've ripped up about it before so if he is listening he knows <laughs> um, but uh, no it's a good song man it's did you like, meet her on set at all was she about no it was, I just did this bit where she was gone although we also filmed the uh, Oyo Savalo video and either Ace or Invisible can't remember which one is in the video. He just pulled up in his four by four. He used to. They were presenters on Channel U. Do you know them? No. And they had like radio shows. They're probably on like one extra still. And he just pulled up like they like oh Ace or Viz. Can't remember which one. Can you uh, be in the video? And he said, just wave a Savoy. Yeah. So he pulled up in his four by four on the road in Greenwich, uh, the road from Deptford to Greenwich, whatever that's called. Oh yeah. Greenwich High Road, isn't there? Uh, I don't know, man. Some... We're at the Golden Chippy anyway. And, oh, uh, yeah, that was on the way to the cinema. Anyway, go yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He pulled up on the side of the road. Someone handed him a Savoy, and I think he was the only person that had a serviette around it. And he sort of waved it at the camera, or it went all the way to Savoy. It's a... Like a sausage. It's a sausage, right, that is disgusting that comes from the chip shop. And Glenn Holmes, right, who is one to talk in extremes, he composed that theme tune, he's great. Exactly. Uh, he's he described it to me as and he was being serious. He was saying this is what it is. He said it's crushed chicken bones wrapped in red paper. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I've given recent horse horseman revelations. He's probably not far off. Probably <laughs> <laughs> we give him too much credit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, to, uh, Ace and Viz both went to Brit School. Right. Mm. Why don't we do any of their songs? Yeah, but no, this song things not, on, things on my mind. It's it's sort of it's basically like Nicky S and Nike's like final single, I think. And like final video, mm. and it's all about um, like struggling, like um, you know, uh, having they had this garage hit. It wasn't like a chart hit, but it was like a garage hit. So people, like when you go on like the YouTube comments, people mm. are like, oh, I remember this from the club oh, yeah, at the yeah. time and stuff. But like the song is like, um, like saying I'm I'm slowly losing patience with this kind of struggle of trying to make money as an artist. But like, you know, I'm getting recognised, and like he's like I think I'm slightly famous, and then like sort of he looks down and his car's all battered or whatever it's quite a kind of down note for them to go out on but I kind of will put a link up on the uh, Twitter mm. it's worth a, worth a look and, but again Katie B's vocal on it is you wouldn't watch it and go oh she'll be big yeah because that was all I knew of her and I, and get from that as well you just think she's some kind of chancellor singer you have yeah, no yeah, idea yeah. that she's, t- she's got a degree in music from that so that's why when she's no- she nominated for a Mercury Prize it's not your earful but she doesn't have a huge voice that's the thing and it's yeah, not, it's no, not... when she's nominated for a Mercury Prize I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I was a bit sort of baffled but obviously I'm, she writes I um... think yeah composition she's really mm. into like her lyrics I actually had brought my own but the lyrics to that song are so well placed 
they, they're so vivid in terms of setting up the scene. She's in the nightclub. She's yeah. part of that culture. It's it, it kind of connects it to Burial in a way. You know, Burial's so yeah, good at yeah. depicting that kind of nighttime kind of Capturing night dreaming kind of, of yeah, yeah, yeah. The drugged kind of night. You know, the drugged club. And what, uh, what genre would you say this song is? Dubstep. It's proper, yeah, proper dubstep. It's got the two against not, three things. So not funky house. But you say it's like Benga produced as well, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you know, she worked with Magnetic Man. Then just after that, a lot she did a few times with them. Yeah, it's dubstep. As well. Yeah, it's dubstep, but not the dubstep we've now come to know and love now. You know, the big bro step, Skrillex. Yeah, it's boy. slightly more connected to the kind of 2006 Shackleton, you know, uh, Code Nine, all that. So it's, get on, it's get on the Ben Caldwell episode if you want to know more. Was yeah. it 89? Yeah, exactly. But it's an interesting inflection point between those two things, the bro step and then the earlier. Is that what they call it? Bro step. Bro step, yeah. yeah. Where it's become this huge, squonky thing. Man. Why does everyone assist this? Skrillex is so <laughs> good. It. He's so oh. good. Looking forward to Katie B's new album, Current Status. When's it out? Soon. She had an EP out not so long ago. Good. Could be out in a few months. Yeah, really good. Yeah, yeah. she's someone I've never listened to Big before fan. this, but I will be. If you're in any way, you know, hardcore, you know, hardcore continuum thing, Simon Reynolds thing. No, Hardcore Continuum is this thing. It's what we get you on, so, <laughs> so we don't have to know about Hardcore Continuum. Hardcore Continuum. It's, it's uh, <laughs> Hardcore Continuum, for those who are interested, is a thing invented, a concept invented by Simon Reynolds to describe the ongoing tradition of British, slightly underground, slightly um, experimental dance music from Acid House to Jungle, Drum and Bass, Hardcore, into kind of Garage, um, into the early dubstep. Um, and Katie is really interesting in that because she kind of plays with all those texts. Like some of her songs are just straight ahead, amen, break, you know, jungle, drum and bass type of thing. Some of them are real dubstepy. So in terms of that history, that 20 years, she seems to be right in the center of that. So yeah, she's great. Track three, Bleeding Love by 2006 X-Factor winner Leona Lewis. The 17th most successful song of the decade in America and the Jeez. 11th in Britain. Extraordinary, isn't it? Yeah. Well, Candle in the Wind is the most successful single ever, so you know, yeah. it's not great metric for it. No, but that's a little bit of a one-off, isn't it? I know yeah, it's yeah, not. Yeah. No, of course. It's, people yeah, but, yeah. but I bet the song is number two is a bit rubbish as well. Well, it's probably Wings or something. Molly Kintyre or... <laughs> in that... <laughs> oh, sorry, I thought you were there. Why is that ever? Uh, My uh, one-word summary for this song is all right. It's just What very... do you think, Stephen? Is it all really? Uh, all right. Well, yeah. I've remembered it being better. Yeah. Right? Because she, the thing with uh, Leona Lewis, I think, is that she obviously doesn't have any charisma. Yeah. She models it with mediocrity. Yeah. It's, it's a strong enough song, but she's. I think the point is that the, the Brits are great at setting, them, setting all their kids up with a level of competency, which is great in music because. You know, set Leon Lewis against a lot of people who, deb- who try and audition on X Factor, and she's stellar. You know, she's amazing because she, look, the first two boxes you need to tick when you're doing it, when you're singing something or performing something musically, are tuning and timing. You know, you have to get it in tune to a certain extent. No, 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 This is Marky Smith. Clearly, 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 there's many other important things. There's this, you know, Tom, whatever singer you want to cite. Yeah, yeah. That's all fine. Yeah, yeah. But if you're within that idiom of performing a song mm. faithfully on X Factor and you don't have the character to do it outside the lines of the notes or whatever, you need to get the timing and yeah. the tuning to a certain extent right. Mm. Yeah, if now, you're going to do a standard version, then that yeah. version has got to be standardised. You can't then... No, even sense. if you're yeah. going to do... Um, uh, even if you could do something more inventive, you've still got to do those two things, isn't it? 
Obviously, Mark, Mark e. Smith bought us on outside of art, didn't it, at times? Absolutely. But I know what you mean. No, I know you. Look, you can transcend them or fail to hit them. Tra- yeah. You can transcend yeah, them absolutely. or you can fail them. And it's a similar thing, you know, um, just to use comic book art as an example. Yeah. You know, you get examples of... Colouring outside the lines. But you, yeah. you, you get bad artists and you get artists that abstract. And occasionally you get people who defend bad artists going, well, look at this guy, the hands are huge. And you're like, no, but he's abstracting there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your, yeah. your guy's like just like hit, drawing yeah. different It's like you said to exactly. me, exactly. there's this comic book artist before that I've said is terrible and you've kind of sort of forced me to admit that I just don't like the style. Right. Yeah. And that's a very They're different thing, as you say. Craft. It, you if, if, if you're trying to sing a song and you're singing it a different way each time because you yeah. can't sing, then that's a problem. If you're if you're singing a song exactly. and you're singing it the same way every time because you can sing and that's how yeah, you're yeah, yeah. and if you're singing a song a different way because you're choosing to sing a song, they're three very different very different. Songs. And you kind of know it when you see it, don't you? Yeah. Absolutely. And, and that's where taste comes in. Like mm. I'd much rather listen to the same song ten times, ten different ways, deliberately chosen with intention behind it. Other people want someone to go, you know, and this is the X Factor element, isn't it? Where you go, can you do that exactly the same way every time? So people know exactly what to expect. And that's how we're going to market it. We're going to say, this is, this is a known commodity. I the well, thing is, I, don't, I know what you mean, but I don't think it's even as much as that. I think yeah. it's just, if you're going to, it's just... It's different conventions of interpretation, yeah, isn't it? But the, the convention that they want, if they, when they're doing, like when I go and see The Fall, yeah, uh, I know Marky Smith is going to be messing about. He's going to just go over and. Did you know he was going to sit at the back and sing lyrics off of a piece of paper in his hand stick? Yeah, I wasn't you can only hope for something like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like he will, he'll go over. You know, he's famous for retuning guitars, yeah, yeah, adjusting yeah. amps, uh, putting microphones in the drum riser to get a different sound yeah. that he wants. And that's part of the art. And exactly, and that's that's what I'm there mm. for. But other people, if someone's going to see Leona Lewis, they want it to sound like it sounds on the telly. That's what they want. They well, that, that's people can't that's see a presumptuous. Rock band for the same, uh, absolutely, the same. Yeah. yeah. And also, but there's an interesting Bad thing here. Ones. No, good ones as well, no? man. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, there is that issue of pop music that people want. It's what people want from a performance, and I want the unexpected. I want something. I mean, the thing is, we are talking about an extreme example, aren't we? Absolutely. Yeah. Leon Lewis and the Fall. You've you've set up an opposition between the Fall and Leon Lewis, which is fine. <laughs> as a kind of a diagnosis of your taste no no but I think an interesting layering to that is that for me I like both of those things um, and okay so let's take two examples from X Factor there's a great X Factor tradition of vocalists who are in the Leona Lewis tradition but do it much better than her to me now I didn't watch X Factor that year I started watching it the year after so I never invested in her I never really got to know her voice so I might have watched that year and thought she was the greatest ever, which a lot of people say so I have to put I have to put that in because it's a that's a kind of a disclaimer can you give me an example yeah I will, I will. yeah I was going to say because I don't know <laughs> right so last year's winner James Arthur honestly what, is he good he is, he is very good James Arthur is yeah, one of the greatest musicians I mean, in our, over I our time honestly I, I, wouldn't, I didn't really enjoy it and wouldn't listen to it but he's he and he's on X Factor look yeah my point my point him. with this is last year he was on X Factor right, right. You're looking for people to hit tunings, hit timings. Now, he kind of fits into that kind of bracket. But every time he sings that, right, the, you need to go and watch this performance, right? No More Drama by Mary J. Blige, which he sang in the second live week last year. And it is one of the most uh, torn apart and just, just insanely life-giving performances of music you'll ever see in your life. It cracks through everything. It cracks through the... the the reception context of X Factor, which are usually, they contain things, don't they? It's like, oh, this person on stage, oh, yeah. That performance finishes, and they just go, I just, what? Because they have no words to put on what happened. They're he not just, used to it. he rips, crazy. he rips into, into any kind of singing techniques. So, anyway, 
Anyway, but what, what he the... gets the notes and he gets the timings and then he layers things on top mm. of that. So he kind of is doing a similarly on Lewis-y thing, but he's adding to it. But more interestingly for our, for our comparative thing here is that this year there's a woman on it called Sam Bailey. She's 36-year-old, conventionally on X Factor, older people, I say older, because the people on that are, you know, I'm in my 30s. It's not like yeah, it's... Yeah, like the dustman, the... Uh... Younger than me. They're seen, they're seen as jokes, look. All the people. Now, she is in a very cr- croonery style in that she sings in a very kind of uh, polished way. But it is so rich and so powerful because she's doing it to a level that no one else has done it in the show's history. She's doing it to a level that she sang Bleeding Love a couple of weeks ago. And it was unrecognisable in terms of quality compared to Leon Lewis. And I have no problem with Leon Lewis. And I think she's a fine singer. But this is a singer who does that. And who does it in a way that makes you see that kind of singing in a different way. So, for you who says, I don't really like singers who do the same thing every time, go and listen to Sam Bailey, go and listen to James Arthur, because it'll, it'll completely explode your views on music. What was the um, Marvin Gaye cover you did? <laughs> Let's Get It On. Lakeisha's mum recorded it um, mm. that week, and like she watched that performance. Like it, She was standing in the front room dancing to it, Put it on. When it finished, you rewound it and played it again. Again, yeah. it was at least five times. Yeah, and we yeah. were getting like quite sick of it in the end. But she just kept it's rewinding quality. it. I mean, yeah, he's an incredible performer, but he's not from the Brit School, so we must uh, not. move on. Yeah. But yeah, the only thing is, it's all just a bit... Uh, it's a tiny bit dull. I do think, I think it's quite a good lyric. It's a good song. I think yeah. it's a strong song. Who Charisma really Vacuum, though. It's an American guy from One Republic, as far as I know. Okay. That band. Yeah, I don't know. That's right, yeah. Interesting little... Uh, Leona Lewis side story when me and Steve worked at Waterstones mm. um, she was doing a signing and she got punched in the face did you not know that? I, I remember you telling yeah. me that I was working in the event I oh wasn't because I called in sick to go to England Belarus you can admit that <laughs> I, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, admit it I, I, uh, I was going to the lift lobby to get the copy of the book that I had stashed to get signed for my niece and as I walked towards the lift lobby Leona Lewis ran past uh Clearly upset, and I was like, "Oh, I guess we're done." <laughs> I had no idea what was going on, and then then I was sort of like walked. Then I sort of turned around, and just looked bemused, uh, which my friends managed to find on like a BBC news channel. Yes, yeah, Steve's on YouTube now. We'll put a link up to oh, that. Oh, is it, is it still yeah. on YouTube? Oh, right. Yeah, but well, it's a video basically of after. There's no video of it happening, but there's a video just after it happens. And like when we worked at Waterstones, there was like they always got external security for these yeah, events because yeah, yeah. obviously you need a load more. But there was a guy that, who was the head of security there, Mark Johnson. Like, really fat, right? But he just had like a kind of thin person's head. It's extraordinary. And he was a ridiculous character. And if anyone comes to the live show, I'm happy to tell more stories. <laughs> but um, there's a great bit in the video. Like, she's already been hit and led away. And he, he comes running to, across the scene. Like, she's gone, Leona Lewis. It's like, she's already like been escorted away. And you just hear, he's hit her. <laughs> and, like, and he like he just sort of, sort of wobbles across and then the camera pans over with Leona Lewis and it stops and you just see Steve standing there just sort of baffled yes, by the door I, I just, I'm just like I'm London's most bemused man at this point even more so than Mark Johnson who is a man who spent most of his life baffled I'm just sort of standing there going right what well, I don't know just sort of standing so what there. actually happened this just it uh, was a man who, who man. had uh, auditioned for the X Factor is this the X Factor? Steve? 
Hmm? Is this here? So no, no. This, this sounds like the sort of thing that you hear five minutes after. No, you well, I apparently auditioned. I followed. I sort of followed the news report. I yeah, took an interest in really? the way. Oh, you but yeah, see, you would. I wouldn't normally. I'd never think to sort of go. Oh, a, a woman's been punched. Apparently, story. You want to see if anyone yeah. mentioned it? And um, there was a handsome man there. Yeah, he'd auditioned for the X Factor and been turned down. But and in in the way that you know the X Factor obviously will happily encourage people with mental health issues to come on to yeah. the Well, historically more than now, because they got a lot of stick over it. Absolutely. Yeah. And As they should he, have. he, I think, had gone through that process. So, took his place in the queue, and as she signed his book, he punched her in the face and said, gotcha. <sighs> because he, he was taking out his frustration. Oh. But he was. He was later sectioned under the Mental Health Act. Right, He's right, been right. hospitalised since then and received treatment. And, you know, so he, he, yeah, this is, you know, and this is not, uh, this is so far away from what was around, but that's the sort of yeah. part of, part of what makes the X Factor work is the fact that they're prepared to sort of. Uh, and it's just unfortunate that the Lewis, who's a, a, a tiny cog in, well, yeah. but has nothing to do with those those editorial choices. Yeah, know, yeah, got yeah, punched yeah. in the face. Right, and you know, it's been horrific for her. To, the oh. news report has got one of my favourite ever box pops. Right, they're talking to some people outside, and like someone's describing, you know, they just saw him here, here. I couldn't believe it. And uh, someone goes, yeah, he's really spoiled everyone's day. Leona as well. (laughs) (laughs) It is a thing, though. I mean, you know, um, it is remarkable what the general public will do in these situations. Like, Mm. that happened, and word quickly spread of what had happened. But no one thought to sort of like, you know, it took ages to break the queue up. Because people just thought... Well, she'll probably, you know, know, give give her a steak or something, and then she'll be out in ten minutes. Track four, one of Leona Lewis's classmates, Adele, Hometown Glory. Probably the best song ever written about West Norwood, I reckon. Was it about West Norwood? I thought it was... Yeah, no, West Norwood. She was born in was Tottenham. she not from Brixton? Uh, she was born in Tottenham, went to Brighton, Brixton, and then was in West Norwood for her teenage years. Oh, right, okay. And I think it was... Um, Mum was trying to get her to move away to university or something. And then she wrote this song, My Hometown, about West Norwood. Right. I'm trying to think of any other song about West Norwood, because then that would be the best song ever about oh, West Norwood. Oh, come on. West Norwood, Joe, have you not heard that? Um, my um, one-word summary of this song is boring. That's Adele's one-word summary of your, of your history roundups. <laughs> <laughs> and we're both right. No, I think this is great, man. I yeah. think this was kind Very of powerful. a discovery for me, Adele, I think. I've never, a bit I don't like, think this was great or powerful. This might be well, my least favourite. A bit song, like yeah. with, uh, no, not so much Winehouse, but a bit like with um, Florence and the Machine, yeah. Adele's yeah. stuff is just everywhere. Yeah. And it's unavoidable, the singles. Um, but it was the first time I'd ever sat down and listened to any of it. I wasn't sitting down, I was standing up, washing up. Um, and I thought this was great. I really liked... Um, Someone Like You and uh, Chasing Pavements and the Dylan mm. cover as well. Make you feel Make my love. The so, only Adele song I'd heard before this was Chasing Pavements and Skyfall when I was watching Oh, Skyfall, Skyfall I think is pretty... Uh, pretty I like Skyfall. Oh, she's an an o- she's won nine Grammys and like an Oscar. Film. She's she, uh, won what? Nine Grammys and an Oscar. Wow. Yeah. she's uh, to me, It's weird for me because the music I like is usually either extreme or usually like the most obscure... obscure you know, strange stuff and mm. then really poppy stuff. Yeah. But Adele, I've never... Me and, me and Isabel, my girlfriend, have had an ongoing conversation about this. Sup, Isabel? <laughs> Steve, you want to give a Isabel. Isabel? <laughs> Any other shout-outs you want to give? <laughs> <laughs> what was I Oh, yeah, so with Adele... Um, it's a funny one because I usually like uh, people in that kind of position and I never got on board with her, really. But um, 
There's a chap called James Arthur. I don't know if I've ever mentioned him. And I don't <laughs> know this say, I love him. I think sometimes he just tears it open. Um, well, I never had even heard this song, and he did it on X Factor last year. And it was... Okay, I don't need to... You're convinced episode, about how good he is. Episode 97, James Arthur. No, episode, live, live show 6 or 5, I can't remember. And he did a, dub, he did a, a great solo guitar version that kicks into dubstep uh, about halfway through. Um, it's great. It's really, really strong. And, this... uh, and when you put the two of them aside, I think it's a really strong song because, first of all, clearly it's really evocative and poignant to write about your hometown, you know. And the lyrics are quite well put together, I think. And it's quite... Mm. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a solid song. The first song she ever wrote, apparently. Really? That's what she says, yeah. She's that's like impressive. 16. That's yeah, impressive. I think that's but when you put the two of them side by side, it's, you know, there's a problem because it's like Adele, you know, up your game, basically. Because he... He lives it in that in that performance, and she kind of modelings it, you know. I think she lives it too, man. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not looking at Steve for approval because he don't. But like also, then she li- she lived it. She lived it. <laughs> it doesn't matter though. That's, well, you're, you're, you're sticking like to the uh, straight lines of the truth. Like John, not... what's her name? Trent Reznor. Like he obviously yeah, lived, yeah, yeah, lived yeah, yeah, her, yeah. and then Johnny Cash just sort of. It's weird. That's another one where you hear the, orig- uh, the you hear the cover so much, and then it's her so original funny, after you just like. Well, that what? is the thing. It's not a fair comparison. But <laughs> no, another, I, I'll stop talking now. But there's another one with her. Is that I never really liked her stuff. But then on Glee, they did a great mashup, which is a horrible term, but they did a great mashup mm-hmm. of someone like you uh, and a song called um, D- "Fire to the Rain." I think. Oh no, no, it's whatever. Don't the, look at me. Of whatever the one that goes. Uh, uh, rumor has it. Doom, rumor has. You know that one. Anyway, they did a mashup of these two songs and. It's it's incredible. It's so much better than the two songs separately. Someone like you, I just oh, it's great. The, I was I was I really disappointed. Uh, you have three, to have heard three, someone three. like you on Thirty Rock. I don't know that I have. I might have done. Am I find find someone, someone like, like you? Yeah. So I I was like I don't really like Adele. This is a bit boring. So I was like just reading about it generally, and it was good because I read her views on taxation. And I felt it sort of justified my vitriol for the music. What did she say? Um, um, uh, she got a tax bill. And uh, because she's a millionaire, she's in the 50% tax bracket, which is, must be a nightmare, I suppose. Um, this she isn't going to a good place, I don't think. I'm mortified to have to pay 50%. I use the NHS. I can't use public transport anymore. Trains are always late. Most state schools are shit. And I've got to give you like four million quid. Are you having a laugh? When I got my tax bill in... I was What's the logic go, there? It's... This is the best bit. When I got my tax bill in, I was ready to go and buy a gun and randomly open fire. Adele currently has a thirty million pound fortune and took an MBE. So um, mm. I think we can all agree her music's terrible. The, uh, yeah, the I interview I listened to uh, read, sorry, she was talking about wearing Argos earrings. So don't have to marry those two things up. Well, the thirty 50, million, fifty, I suppose. Yeah. Well, I don't know how to marry up the idea that she says all these things are crap and then therefore she's not going to give them money. <laughs> yeah, no, but this is what people are like, isn't it? This is what people, rich people want to keep their money, don't they? It's bad, it's evil. It is bad, I agree, but she's hardly the only one. Well, she's missing the point because she thinks that it needs to be a quick pro problem. She's very young, isn't she? It takes people well, yeah, she's sometimes, young. you know, when I was that age, I would have probably said exactly. the same thing, to be honest. Really? Yeah. Well, someone's going to say... I wouldn't say I'll, I'll take a gun out and shoot people. So you wouldn't, so you would have said that thing. No, and also, hold on. If I'd, have said, um, if I'd have been that age and I got a tax bill, I would have been like, this is this is not what I thought I was earning. Yeah. And that's what she means. But really. no, the, the, I think... Obviously, a lot of them say, like, obviously some of them just remain greedy their whole lives. 
But she might. But my point is, if you come out of it with thirty million pounds, whatever your tax bill was, it was alright. But she probably didn't say this when she was rolling in it. She probably had made her first. If you're paying, if you're paying four million pounds in tax, you're rolling. No, but you know what I mean is, in like six months earlier, she might she might not be able to have that much money. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree with you. She's young. She's you know you have to you have to give them a bit of leeway with this kind of thing. No, I think you just write them off at that point. (laughs) Track five, Rizzle kicks. Skip to the good bit. Recently described on the BBC News website as, uh, I think, Britain's best rappers. <laughs> I'm paying my licence fee for these Which, lies. to be honest, if I'd listened to their music, I, I thought that was laughable. But since listening to it, um, it wasn't appalling. Like, I, I, You know what I mean? No. <laughs> I don't think it's terrible. I think no, it's I don't absolutely think terrible, terrible, man. You don't think it's terrible? No. Isn't it terrible exactly what it is? No, well, you picked it, Steve. Well, go yeah, I, I, well, I picked it. Like, you said you want to pick a Rizzle Kitch track, and I'd heard of them, and I was like, all right, it's hip-hop, they might be good. And then you listen to it and go... Uh, <laughs> I like hip-hop. Exactly, yeah. So, like, I'm sure I can find something here. And then you go through it and go, no, these are all terrible. So I chose this one just to make uh, a broader point about the Brit School, mm. which is um, the fact that, as I say, they're producing, I think, quite narrow... A narrow range of musical acts. You know, you've got your um, female singers that have a certain vocal range. Female singers, that's one one group. No, but it is, though. (laughs) I I know what you mean. You can put Leona Lewis, Adele, and um, who else have we got? Winehouse, you put in there? Yeah, Winehouse, in in a very broad umbrella, I think. Do you know what I mean? And like this, but this... Yeah, but that umbrella is what most people who are trying to make in the music business in the last 10 years would sound like as a pop artist. Yeah, that's my point. And, they, yeah, yeah. and this is what, I don't, I don't see the value in having an institution dedicated to producing very similar things over and over. It's a factory at that point, and I don't mean that in some sort of, you know. But the Brit aren't necessarily trying to produce, trying to create artistic traditions. They're trying to plug so their reckon, ch- students yeah. into yeah. the idea of. I mean, it, was it not originally? Uh, I mean, as you say, the guy sort of thought of fame, wasn't it? Yeah. But the idea is that the record, um, oh, what are they called. It's the uh, British record industry, basically. Yeah, yeah. And, that, yeah. and, and that's the idea the was they thought that like it was to boost sales. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that, and that's my point. Like, well, man, but that that about one thing. Yeah, of course. They're the people we know, but like from the students I've taught and know who've come from the Brit School, there's a wide range of people um, who Jamie come to Wound, us. So the ones we're not going to talk about Jamie Wound, but that's that's quite wildly different to it to the stuff we're talking about. Okay. The ones who become popular are obviously going to be the ones who are operating in a popular genre. So. It might but, be a self-defeat. It might be a circular thing. But you know? my thing is, when you talk about what you're doing yeah. at Goldsmiths, yeah. and you were saying earlier about giving them a wider culture appreciation mm. of what they're doing, I think that's valuable, mm. and that's going to produce very yeah. interesting musicians. I think if you look at what the British School sets out to do, how it does it, it's and not what that. it produces, it's not that. It's not that. And yeah. I don't see any value in it. I'm just sort of like... Yeah, just... no, well, I agree. They come to us, the ones I've met, and I'm doing sitting on the interview panel in February, so I'm going to... I wish I'd done that now, so I'd have more, actually, things to talk about. But the ones I've met don't come to us with a well-rounded sense of music even. They come with a narrow thing about, I want to make it in the music industry. I was doing an open day recently and a lot of them came up. Yeah, I'm coming from the Brit School and their parents are there and the, and the mum or dad is saying, what job are they going to get? How are they going to do this? What industry connections do you have here? And you're kind of going, well, it's not really what we're about here. Yeah. It's not that. It's not the Brit School, Mark II. It's Goldsmith University. It's, no, it's, it's, it's just the University of Goldsmiths. <laughs> 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 well, yeah, I, I think your point is well made and I agree with it to a large extent but 
I don't know how they're going to set themselves up as a big commercial, oh. publicly funded school, and then be producing all these marginal figures. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, you don't, these the thing. things can't be taught in lessons, I suppose, whereas you can have vocal lessons, can't you? But the British yeah. school the British school would have, uh, are not going to be listening to this and going, this guy's got a point, we're doing it. But what they're doing is exactly what they've set out to do. Yeah. They're creating incredibly commercially Self-confidence. successful. Self-confidence. Yeah. And, and, and that's, and that's but for me, what I found interesting, when you suggested doing this, I was like, It'll be like Elliot School, or it'll be like the other playlist. Oh, right, go, right, right, oh right. this is great! We've got a huge uh, number of people to draw right. on, and you'll find, you know. And what I've loved doing the previous playlist episodes is finding these gems that yeah, I've never yeah, heard yeah. of, and going, "Oh wow, this is this is fun." And when it came to doing this episode, I was like, "I don't like any of this stuff." Mm. And you know, you'd chosen tracks and I listened to it, and I was like, "This is rubbish." And then listen to other stuff, I'm like, "I don't like this either." And then when it came to, you well, said, I "Really got to spend my Saturday evening talking about this job." Yeah, but I thought, <laughs> no, I was quite looking forward to talking about it because I was like, yeah. "No, it's I, better." I vent yeah. for one thing. Yeah, yeah. But also, it, when it came to so when it came to Rizzle Kicks to get back to the yeah. point, I was like, I don't enjoy any of these songs, so I chose this one, skipped to the good bit, just to show how how lazy I think some of these songs are. Where basically it's unbelievable by, by EMF playing in the background yeah. with a slight pitch distortion. Yeah, it's bad this song, but some of the other stuff isn't quite as bad. And at least they're grasping at something with the second album. The, the this, is the, this is the second album, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. the other track, well, yeah, this isn't obviously Grassman. But also their persona as well, it's like Keenan and Kel, it's like these two clowns just sort of like bouncing around the place. And there's a bit, which is just, I don't know, when was this song made? This year? Last year? One of those. There's this a, year, it's very recent. Right, yeah. there's a scene in this video yeah. where they're like driving down the corridor of a school on some sort of modified trike. And a kid walks past him with a pile of books on his arm. And they put a baseball cap on his head backwards. <laughs> and he grins and he uh, drops his books. And you're like... I like this even more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, this is just this is just clumsy, isn't it? All the way. It's I mean, satire. I don't know. Satire. Satire. Is it though? I don't no, know. It's not, it's no, not, it's, not. it's not, is it? Um, it's just... Yeah, I don't know though. It's kind of like teaching gran- granny to suck eggs kind of thing. It's like... What? But what's the point of this? This is my thing. I was like, so you're just going to take an EMF sample, mm. wrap badly over the top of it, and then make a video where you think a backwards baseball cap is but look, subversive. Look, but look, it's this th- is what we're producing. No, we, no, I completely disagree. Because oh, you completely sure. disagree. I can, I fundamentally disagree with that because you're, tre- you, you're treating it as a piece of, um, art. you're projecting values onto it that aren't in it, and you're not within the genre enough that you recognise the minimal difference between that and one of their kind of label mates who are doing similar things you know you're treating it as here's the fall here's this what the fuck is the point whereas no, 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 I think well, no, this, is, this one is compared to Wu-Tang yeah no this one I'm like Kendrick Lamar do you know what I mean but they're in the world worlds of difference between those two uh, absolutely yeah in terms of quality as well I just I don't see what value there is in, uh, and I think it's a, a huge cultural indicator that they think it, you know, or whoever's put this whole package together, yeah. it's sort of like you know, what kids like baseball caps on backwards. It's just such a, such a tired image. You can't I, think of that as being something fresh and vital. You now. can't. Who do, well, you, honestly, if you, when you see someone with a backwards baseball cap, you think, "Wow, that guy is cool." I think. Can I just? Um, I, th- I, I, I think the problem, Steve, sometimes when uh, with you. <laughs> like, Among is, the problems is, you is, have, is, like the way you talk. I mean, I'm sure you understand this, yeah. But the way you talk is if like all these things should be justified to you what their worth is. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, but yeah. the but the purpose of music is that you put it on and someone hears it and enjoys it. Like and and that could be like a primal thing. Like they don't yeah. even this kind of ins and outs of the lyrics. Things they might even be particularly listening to the lyrics. 
you know what I mean? Yeah, no, yeah. But and it's not even as as kind of straightforward as that. There's different texts happening for every listener and every viewer of that thing, and there's things happening in that that you're not picking up on. But I my, guarantee you. No, absolutely. I don't know if I agree with that. But, but, of course, there is. But, but my thing is, my thing is, I, I, generally with these, and like particularly with the show, I try and be positive wherever possible. Mm. So I went into this and I was like, "Give me a scrap," and there's nothing like lyrically, musically, visually, performatively. There's nothing here. The, For the, me, the art isn't failing you. You're failing the art. No, the art's failing me. Honestly, if this thing <laughs> can sell, if, if the art's backed with baseball caps, then it's failing. No, me. no, no. Look, no, look, 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 look. Let that be. I can't let it go. Because it's that's so part crazy. Of the song, it's but what you're doing is you're. you're... <laughs> You're, you're reproducing oh, you the same... Grown. <laughs> no, no, because I'm, 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 I'm saying the same I fight against this in myself all the time. It's like you're reproducing what 20 years ago, or 30 years ago, people said about the fall, to a certain extent. Now, I'm not just transplanting one scenario to another, because no, no. they're different. But this this stuff, Rizzlekicks, cannot connect with people, cannot sell records. Can, I'm not saying the commercial imperative justifies or, or indicates artistic value always, but this no, stuff but connects with people, and, and this stuff that, is, is culturally vibrant to a certain extent. Right. It's, it's, it's part of a culture that you're not aware of, you don't know the signs of the culture, you don't know how it works in terms of meaning, production, and all the different little things that are going on there. So, I wasn't massively interested in it, I thought it was a cheap use of uh, Unbelievable, I think there's better stuff out there, I've seen slightly better things from Rizzle Kicks, not massively into it, but... I wouldn't get so invested in my own perspective on it because I know that I'm missing things. I know that I'm failing the art by not... I, I personally wouldn't ag- agree with that. Right? I, I just think it's not as bad as Steve's saying. But the lyrics, uh, there's nothing like this sort of going over your head there, is there? It's, you know, not, it's, not, it's, all, it's not going, going over your head. head. No, it's just it's that there's things in there which you're not seeing. Yeah. But look, let's imagine a 17-year-old kid listening to this stuff. They're on Twitter every day. They follow Rizzle Kicks. They follow other artists. Like, similar to Rizzle Kicks. No, no, no. But they're following other artists similar to Rizzle Kicks. Yeah. There's in-jokes. There's in-language. There's subcultural things that are happening there that we just don't pick up on I, in the I music. I would say, how old are they? Because I would say 17 is too old to be in 22. Well, it's called Roaring 20s. They're, the they're, they're like 21, 22. 20. They are kids. kids in, they like, are kids. No, but I, I think I they're late say, teens. Look at this video and listen to this song. I would say once you're past like 12, 13, there's nothing for you there, is it? No, there's nothing for you because some people like different. They like different things in it. Yeah, you know what I mean. But I do like bad things. <laughs> I haven't explained myself well enough. No, you. Ha- I can see. No, exactly I, I can see what you're saying. saying. I just right. think this it's song not, is it, a bad example because there's, me, I don't so think there's anything in this song. But it's not that there's an if. There's no if. No, no. There's but, a different but, if for every but, person. But that, that's the thing. Mm. I was like, I was looking at it on so. I was desperate to find something. So I was like, make the video interesting. Make the as I say, maybe lyrically or something. But yeah, absolutely. And there was nothing there for me at all. For you, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, this is the thing. Uh, I, I have no idea um, what their sales are like or what sort of crowds they're paying to. They're big. Exactly. They're big, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, and it's another example where these guys are losing no sleep over the fact that I'm getting nothing out of this. So yeah. That's fine. But I just thought it was interesting and and it really bothered me. It bothered me that I didn't enjoy it. Yeah. And I was like, why didn't I join? And as I formulated this theory that, well, they're trying to produce a very specific kind of music for a very specific mm. audience, which isn't me. But the fact that there's nothing, as I say, with the other things, you can sort of go, um, you know, trying to think of a song I didn't like but there was like with Leon Lewis I didn't like Bleeding Love mm. but I could recognise it had quality whereas with this there was like but literally qual- nothing quality else. is a made up thing you know there's no such thing as quality it's not objective no but, but I don't I, think I, it's I think objectifying sort of... I mean he talks as if he's objectifying it I don't know if that's even the right word. No, it is. Yeah, but, yeah. But he's, but even, but subjectively, I mean, I agree. Like the lyric, the lyrics are not particularly interesting. Mm. 
like from from in our opinion, Stephen, in our opinion, and the music is kind of a, like you say, like I think even you said it was a cheap use of a sample. Yeah. Like, I listened to both of their albums in preparation for the show, yeah. and the first out, the first song, first album is a sample of Nirvana, you know, the, the psychedelic. Oh, really? Um, uh, Rain- oh, did you listen to it too? Yeah. Yeah. Rainbow Chaser, right? Yeah. So I mean, uh, sampling is another thing we'll have to talk. Yeah, about. I don't think we'll talk yeah. about on this show, but I thought, are uh, you? Got me there with a like you put a great track on it, yeah. so I'm already listening. Yeah, yeah. But I think there's there are plenty of songs where they're kind of there is there are some good lyrics. And also, yeah. I generally, I, I mean they're not rappers that I would want to. I think oh, I'll follow their career. I'll probably never listen to them again. But yeah. the point you made about the best cultural example, dislocations maybe. in because it's something I've considered before because there there are musical acts that I listen to and I realise and I'm very aware as I listen to it that I don't share a cultural heritage. But yeah. I still find it interesting. So I. I've always been quite conflicted about my love of very specific forms of American hip-hop that yeah. do use homophobic language, mm. use language that's degrading to women, talk about criminality in a way that glamorises it. And I'm, you know, I don't believe in any of those things as, in my own personal beliefs. Yeah. And I've always thought, you know, uh, well, I don't believe these things, but I enjoy listening to it. Why do I enjoy listening to it? And I had a similar sort of revelation over the last sort of year or so where I was listening to a lot of Sushi and Stevens. And I was like, well, I'm also not a homosexual Christian, but I can enjoy it. <laughs> you know I mean? So culturally, he's coming from a very different place and singing about very different things. And a lot of it is going past me because he's singing about yeah. his belief in God. And I, I don't but the point is, there's enough in those things that you can connect with and relate to. Yeah, because I like the songs. I like how but no, he but sings. No, but there's enough in, in your kind of menagerie of what you what you identify in art as being valuable. There's enough in those things. You know, clearly Sufjan Stevens is from an intellectual pop tradition. Clearly all the hip-hop you talk connects with a lot of other stuff that you like. Yeah, Rizzo like, isn't part of those. I like Unbelievable by MF. So uh, that should have, that just bothered me. But like early 20s, you know, pop hip-hop in Britain isn't maybe something that we all like. I, I'm just trying to, I don't have a different opinion to you or you about this stuff. But I just always struggle. When I don't like something, I really, really try and get inside of why, why I don't like it. Because if people if like it, people do, there's, something, yeah. there's something to think about there. What do you think about the double entendre of uh, Skip to the Good Bit? That was quite neat. Steve? Well, this is the thing, as I say. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, uh, this is the thing, as I say, where I listen to uh, hip-hop that I don't necessarily agree with the values or share the cultural heritage, mm. I can enjoy the skill of the wordplay, the skill of the delivery, the skill of the flow. Um, how the music and the, the, the vocals weave together. And I've got none of that from this. Yeah, but skill is a barometer that we project onto art. And it's never, and again, it's never an objective thing. There's no such thing as skill in music. Mm, that's it's, not true, is it? It is I true. Think, no, of course it's true. No, but I, I, I agree with that in the sense that, you know, people will listen to, and we'll go back to this same thing because it's saying I feel comfortable about the fall. And yeah. that's just noise. And I, I disagree. But there was What about craft? Well, look, the reason that so I come, so in my music degree, well, we weren't allowed to mention pop music even, and so in, in what sorry in my music degree it was all classical, right? Right, yeah, the one you did rather than the one you teach. The one I did because yeah. at the time there was the no, you couldn't do. About <laughs> no, no, no. This, I do. He's so old. They can only talk about classical. <laughs> uh, there's certain critical. There's a certain critical language that gets deployed around classical music, in terms of innovation, craft, sophistication. Blah, 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 blah. People who invest in that critical language and see it in terms of, um, you know, extended 20-minute symphonic forms where there's a harmonic thing that happens here and then it happens 20 minutes later and the, the richness in the music is identifying that. Um, architecture, right? So then they hear a pop song and they don't think it can be craftful or they don't think it can be uh, sophisticated or yeah, they don't think bad. it can be all those things because craft is that. 
Right, yeah. So They're craft is always, or skill, uh, skill yeah. is always um, an interpretive label that we all use to describe something that we think is objective, but actually it's our kind of perception of it. Do you know what I mean? So there's nothing, there's no skill in music. Kanye West can be skillful, but for someone else, that's not what skill is. Therefore, skill is. To use such an obvious example, say like Hendrix. Yeah. Like you can't deny that, say, if you compare it to like Noel Noel Gallagher. Of course you could. I come from a tradition, uh, like classical music, that people wouldn't even accept the premise of someone playing a guitar on stage as being a skillful activity. It's like playing the piano with one hand, isn't it? But you know what I mean? It's all about. And your mouth. It's all about cultural politics and it's all about where you're coming from and I just think those kinds of things when you kind of reify them as being out there there is skill though and there is those things and they're not doing it I disagree fundamentally on the premise of that argument round enough you know um, they recorded four songs with Pharrell Williams and left them all off the album right. I listened to one of them so I was like that must be a good one with Pharrell Williams yeah I didn't think they were available oh, I thought it was a live thing oh right go on was it not good oh. Yeah, they will, he will find it in sometimes, for all. Yeah. They were talking about blurred lines, though. They asked them, it was like, oh, oh one of them weren't blurred lines, was it? And they, and they said, we would never write something so misogynistic. Final <laughs> track on side one is Freak Me by Another Level. Dane Bowers and Wayne Williams from Croydon, the last two artists from Brighton and Islington, respectively. What's my one-word summary of Another Level, uh, Freak Me? Cover. Great. With an exclamation oh, mark. Come on. It's great. <laughs> it is. It's so That's good. brilliant. <laughs> Although, as, as I've just uh, outlined, goodness is yeah, maybe... <laughs> it's not a valid term. <laughs> no, goodness isn't great, I've got. <laughs> no, I, 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 uh, I love this song. I, yeah. I, I've got a lot of affection for it from the time. And I think it just still stands up now as a brilliant pop song. Yeah. And I'm so pleased. I've never... Uh, close listening A I don't know uh, I haven't got the you know knowledge to, to close listen but something I did notice through close listening for this particular thing was the fact that Dane Bowers who is from South London gets the line because tonight baby I want to get freaky with you which is the best line in the whole thing and so well delivered yeah he's great I isn't he? get... yeah it's great yeah that particular really like line it. yeah really enjoyable you're going to be me on this one <laughs> do I, no, I just do I pass you a bat on or something when I, when I was like, oh it's a cover I was like of course it's a cover is it as if they're going to put... You've like, just rocked my world. Yeah, it's a band called Silk. It's like a cover of exactly what it should be. Yeah, a New Jack Silk. They're a New Jack... Yeah, yeah. Right, I know, I know Silk. I didn't know... Like, they... it's like, obviously, like, black artists from America mm. that, like... No, but I, I, but I got would the... guarantee whoever in Silk gets Dane's line does not do it as well. <laughs> That's, I'll, put, I'll put money on that. I thought, but I, I... Obviously, it's connecting to that kind of tradition, but I thought that they had just consciously ripped it off. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say, no. when you say connecting to that tradition, yeah, you connect when you had it on the light box and you're <laughs> yeah. the exact lines of... Oh, that's disappointing. Uh, is it, though? Because, I don't know, Probably like, not, it's just but... such an enjoyable... It doesn't take anything away from the yeah. song for me. Um, interesting date... Not interesting date in Bowers facts, but um, something that I always found fascinating about Dave Bowers. And as I say, I know this song, I couldn't name another another level song to, to you. Never you couldn't, yeah? No. They, what about, uh, well, no, you'd they know. They did have uh, famous You're ones, out yeah. of your mind. No, no that's Dane Barrows yeah, and Victoria exactly. Beckham. Yeah, two-steppers with uh, oh, Victoria right. Beckham and Dane Barrows. Yeah, <laughs> 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 I thought you, when I, when I saw another level come up, I just automatically thought that was the song you'd chosen. Even though it's not them. <laughs> oh, did you choose this one? Yeah, I choice. bet you love that, really, Stephen. The one I just, we just did, you're out of your mind. I have fond ecstasy memories. Of I was listening to it today, and Lakeisha goes... Uh, we really happy ones. Lakeisha <laughs> says, uh, it's better than Jerry's song. So, Jerry's song. 
I don't know what one that would have been at the time. Scream if you want to go faster. Get me. <laughs> I'm your drama queen if that's your thing. Maybe. Um, <laughs> Do you not know that, Jerry Yeah, Seinfeld? my mum used that's... to say Scream if you want to go faster was the name of the album. Scream if you want to go faster. And this is Jerry Seinfeld after the show finished. <laughs> uh, um, the thing that I always found not fascinating about Dan Bowles is that he was this sort of uh, constant echo of living in South London where um, we're about the same age. And like our mates would go clubbing in Croydon, and they'd be like, yeah, Dane Bowers just out in the Blue Orchid. And I was like, what? Yeah. And he'd like occasionally do like personal appearances in these places. Yeah. But other times he'd just be clubbing. In, yeah, just out with his, because obviously all his mates, he's riding yeah, all the best clubs, sells them, whatever. But yeah, he'd just be out in Croydon. Similarly, um, years ago now, um, just after he got his first cap for England, actually, um, sort of Rio Ferdinand in a pub in Croydon where he was just out for his mate's birthday. Because, yeah, where are these people going to go? They're not sort of... Humans, aren't they? Yeah, this is it. Human after all. This might be my favourite song on the whole playlist. Yeah, don't surprise me, Steve. (laughs) A couple of Another Level songs you say you don't know, Steve. Uh, Another Level featuring Ghostface Killer, I Want You For Myself. (laughs) You don't know that one? No! Or Another Level featuring Jay-Z, Be Alone No More. They're not real things. They're real songs. They're real things. Apparently the record label had some kind of hip-hop link. Yeah, but there's hip hop links. Ghostface from the roof. Getting ja- yeah, uh, Jay Z. Uh, do you want to do something with uh, another level? Definitely no. not. <laughs> no, again, they're both kind of phoned in. I think you can. It's even a bit like, it's a bit I like, think you can hear Jay Z. It was the payola <laughs> thing. It's obviously like they ever heard of Snoop Dogg and Insane Clown Posse thing, and they got Snoop Dogg in to do a track. They just paid him twenty grand, and he's right. just he's just like Snoop Dogg in yeah. the house. Yeah, yeah. Insane Clown dates. Posse. Yeah. Snoop Dogg nominated for a Grammy for best uh, reggae album. Really? Yeah, this year. I feel I should point out Snoop Lion. I don't know. You <laughs> I saw him. His mother called him Snoop Dogg. His mother called him Calvin Broadus. I'm going to call him Calvin Broadus. Shall I put in a sample of uh, a record, like, sort of at the end of the... Yeah, just running into the groove, yeah. So there are plenty of artists we won't be talking about. Athlete, Katie Malua. I tried to squeeze the feeling in last minute. Sewn, which I had on 7-inch signed, Stephen. Sold it for £30. Mm. So, thanks for the feeling. And, uh, right, when I lived in New Cross, yeah, I was walking uh, up... Uh, I should say which road it was, innit? Why? Why not? Because I was about to say where this person lives. Oh, right. Yeah, but you can say a road, can't you? Like, Sean O'Hagan's going, here on Schumacher Road, and I'm like, if you want to give... I won't, because if, it, if he said that... Yeah, Will Ferrell said where he lived on WTF the other day. Uh, and he, yeah, so... Yeah, there was a, there's a car, I was coming back from Sainsbury's, and there's a car with, like, I can't remember which festival it was, but one of the major ones, like, with, like, a pass stuck on the window, like, an artist pass, and it was Laura Dockrill, you ever heard of it? Oh, yeah, I have. Yeah. Well, through this. Yeah, right, so, uh, so I, like, got home and Googled it, and uh, she's a... Uh, Performance poet. Yeah, oh. and it's obviously live around the corner from me. But we've not got any of her poems on... Well, the, the thing is, like, when I was so, sort of... Desperate to find something that I enjoyed, I was like just going through everything. That everyone Emily had done Head, movies. Blake Harrison, no, don't care actors. But like, like the, 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 the Laura Doctoral thing, I thought was was interesting. So I found some clips, but I didn't, again, I didn't enjoy it. So before we move on, I've got a quick quiz question for you. Which uh, Brits, if you know the answers, they're ready from research, then don't say. <laughs> Which kind of defies the point. <laughs> no, if you know, I mean, if you don't know it organically. Right, so if I didn't know before we... Yeah, exactly. So I won't know. Which Briscoe alumnus has supported Destiny's Child, Missy Elliott, Kanye West and the Sugar Babes on tour? 
I don't know this. Should I just say a name of someone? Yeah, because it won't be right. Really? Sean Emmanuel. I was going to say Sean Emmanuel. Were you? No, of course not. I never heard of him until you said that. Is it yeah, a bloke? He had to, yeah, he had two right. singles out. They're not good, to be honest. And uh, he had a record. He recorded a whole album, apparently. Uh, but then was dropped from EMI, I think. I might be getting some of the details wrong. And it just never surfaced. And that was like seven years ago. Wow. I mean, he's locking about on Twitter still. Like, mm. He commentates on X Factor every week, but... Does he? Yeah, but like it's kind of... 268 followers. I couldn't believe when I read it. I mean, imagine that you're supporting Beyonce. And and Yeezy. can't. And then... So obviously, the record company, Simon, have huge hopes. Record Mm. the album, release Mm. two singles. And they're like, put him everywhere with everyone. And then they sort of go, he's no good. He must be quite good. This is this is where the good thing's a problem, isn't it? I keep saying this word as if it has a universal meaning that's applicable in every situation. And what I'm thinking of is he must have certain qualities that people find enjoyable. Yeah. And the record company's going... You don't need to qualify. No, no, I, but do you he, know what I mean? Like, I think it's safe to say he didn't have those qualities. But, but the thing is, like, what I'm looking for and what an audience looking for, a record company's got a free drastic... And also there's things, a huge they? element of chance in this. He yeah, might have been... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, well, things have gone so, a different way, who knows? Like. But it's also the... Um, who's the guy? Adventures in the Screen Show. William Goldman point. Mm. Nobody knows, do they? You know, if record yeah. companies knew, yeah, exactly. Yeah. E- even if they knew what would definitely make money, that's all you'd get. But yeah. they don't. So occasionally yeah. they have to just take a chance and they go, "Guess we'd get this guy." Yeah, yeah. And then they sort of listen back to him and go, "Maybe not." Then yeah. I don't know. They don't know. What is good though is uh, side two, track one, the noisettes don't upset the rhythm. Brackets go, baby, go. It's all right. I love it. Go baby, you love go it, baby, go. Don't upset the rhythm. And the lyric, "Don't upset the rhythm." Don't you dare. He's great, man. <laughs> it's the best lyric we'll come across today, I think. Well, Upset the Rhythm's a good song. I'm going to go well. back to Dane's line. It's really good uh, music, say. Good it's name for a band. The Noisettes. Noisettes yeah. Is it a double entendre? Is Noisettes um, French for nuts? Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, it's it's like, we are the Noisettes. nuts, but also we're like Noisettes. Well, and they're there's by a female. confectionery thing, isn't there? There is now some sort of... Maybe that's a... Uh, I think it's not in Noisettes. Right, yeah. Noisettes. Noisettes. <laughs> no, monsieur, it's hot. Ah, it's a no! Jack, when I listen to that moment, I have never felt closer to a person in my life. That was me. That's me and Isabel. I swear to God. You going, uh, pick her up, and her just going, what are you doing? That's my life. I swear to God. Yeah. That was that. I... I Died when I listened to that bit. Oh my god! There you go. Callbacks. That's what we've got. That's what we've got to as a podcast now. We've got bits so we can go yeah, to callbacks. Get your uh, Monsieur Non t-shirts from southpointhardcore.com to quickly get those out in it for Christmas. Yeah. I think you've got basically if you order on the day that this podcast comes out, you'll get it in time for Christmas. If you don't, it'll be a lovely New Year present. Good for any day of the year, isn't it? There's never a time when you don't want to be reminded about a man pretending, you know, he's more French than he does, and getting a burnt thumb for not admitting to it. <laughs> uh, no, but it's just hard to speak a different language. Yeah, yeah. so don't take it a chance with hot plates, I guess, isn't it? They just insist that he just, knew I could just, speak English. Just, there's just life lessons here, isn't there? Or friendship. Absolutely brilliant. Oh. The song, though. There's a kind of a Grace Jones disco uh, feel to it. There's kind of a quasi-funk feel mashed with you know that kind of noughties rock band thing that seems to be what's happening here quite interesting well handled that's all I would say about it really yeah I liked it it was alright yeah. saw them live once yeah supporting a band I'll be derided for liking but whatever the Red Hot Chili Peppers Pissed, well, pissed in my jeans once watching them 
On, on purpose. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. Well, to, to make a point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I told this story twice recently and I'd never told it before my life. I'll win this argument. Yeah. I'll tell it in 10 seconds. I was at a huge concert in Ireland called Slane. Uh, we planned out our drinking. Awesome. Yeah, exactly. Slane Castle. Planned out our drinking throughout the day so we wouldn't have to, because it's huge. It's 70,000 people or something. Wanted to go up the front. Got up the front, had only, you know, had our pisses, had, sorry, urinated just before the concert, thought it'd be fine, had a bit to drink, but only spirits because I didn't want too much liquid. They started about 20 minutes and I realised, oh no, I have to go to the toilet. I can't do it into the bottle in the crowd because I just can't. And But you can uh, wet yourself. Oh, come on. Apparently, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> God, How about your trousers? Yeah, yeah. It was going to be, it was going to be, a, look, it's a bodily function. I'm not going to be ashamed of it. It was going to be, it was going to be a half an hour, hour trek <laughs> out and, and trek back, <laughs> trek out and trek in to the crowd. So I said, right, I'm just going to uh, piss my pants. It, perfect solution. When you I, say you said, did you vocalise that? Or did you <laughs> say to yourself? To myself. Did you yell at Flea? To myself. But I did tell the people I was there with when, once I'd done it. Yeah. But it took me about half an hour because I was so stop starting I just couldn't get it out got it out and then it started stinging and I just was miserable so but I poured water on it after so I diluted it a bit there you go <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that's why you don't drink <laughs> track two another one with a brackets after the title Steve this is a love song it's uh, Wanna Be Where You Are by Flowetry and Mo's Death went for some uh, Prince song title style instead didn't mm. But an average white band sample. Is it? Yeah. No. But a much better song, in my opinion. Yeah, very good. Very strong. Yeah, I chose this one. Because it had most definite. So I was like, mm. I like most deaf. Yeah, I'll get something too, out yes. But I did enjoy Mo's, it. You've got to call him most deaf, yeah. But you haven't got me for saying Snoop Dogg rather than Snoop Lion. Alright. Yeah, I call him most deaf. No, it's the fact that his name's like, yeah, something now. Oh, oh right, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Most deaf. <laughs> I'm going to, well, he's credited as most F on this yeah, track. Yeah, so. One of those few kind of crossovers between American and UK hip-hop. Yeah. I'm always fascinated. You remember when t- we talked about this, actually, in one of the ones I was on previously, when Tony Tempa at Glastonbury performed with Snoop. Because it's... Because UK pop, let's face it, is huge in America. It's, it's a big, there's a big, obviously, um, tradition of the two things, you know... Well, Wu-Tang being on and level Texas, ground. of course, you know. <laughs> it, uh, it's pinnacle. I think we can. Is that serious? Yeah. Have you never heard it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wu Tang and Texas. Yeah, it's remarkable. Uh, Rizzo became obsessed with Charlene Spiteri's vocals, and he was like, "I don't care what happens, we got to get." Then they got the whole band. Up. I don't know they got the whole band over, but they do this. Um, Those guys get busy on that another level track. They're right? all. They're all. I think the whole. All dirty bastards are unsafe. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's um, it's basically "Say What You Want" by Texas with oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Wu Tang interpolations. Yeah, it's it's an inter- it's a very interesting water, track. <laughs> you know that song? Nah. Yeah, you can say what you, you want, want, but you won't change your mind. Right, so imagine that, and then suddenly Method just drops in. No, the I really don't like that. I'll be digital in yeah. the house. <laughs> but, but anyway, the, the interesting with this is that even though there is a huge crossover, it doesn't happen with hip hop. No. Some reason because UK hip hop is seen as it is seen as being UK bound, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's like the sort of it's sort of under even the most popular UK hip hop is sort of underground on the yeah, it hasn't translated. Yeah, and, and it's the same for hip hop around the world, of course. German hip hop, whatever hip hop. Yeah, they're but they're stuck not in every country. speaking English though, so and it's so vocal heavy. No, <laughs> seriously though. But as French hip hop is supposed to get massive when they're all like you know, mission no, mission no. Yeah, but English. <laughs> Mission no, Mission. 
the thing is, no, it's hot. It's hot. <laughs> The other thing with UK hip hop as well, there, there seems to be an almost sort of willful thing where they, you know, clearly admire yeah. um, American producers and MCs, but they they they're so desperate, not yeah. desperate, but determined to to carve their own path. Yeah, yeah. From the soundtrack to Barbershop Two, back in business. I haven't seen it. Me neither. Ice Cube is a, a barber who you'd, I haven't seen it, but you'd imagine the business is under threat. I'm guessing it pulls <laughs> again. Through. Okay, no. But quite an interesting um, source for the song in that just to sort of examine how <clears throat> how far an artist can travel. I mean, if you'd listened to like NWA mm. and then a lot of Cube's early stuff, you wouldn't sort of go, probably end up doing knockabout comedy. But even more, what was it, Daddy Daycare or whatever he did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's bizarre. One of one of the, the great who... journeys of any uh, American artist, I would argue, and to sort of go what, from good, making good hip hop to bad movies. No, from making it is, no, it is interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah to, to go from making some of um, mm. it's the, very much the Skrillex of uh, early nineties. To go from making condensed journey, yeah, ridiculous yeah. militant yeah, yeah, yeah. hip hop to yeah, yeah, yeah. ridiculously militant hip hop to some of those anodyne movies yeah, yeah, that yeah. have ever scraped and everything. And possibly it says something about the desire to make stuff that is militant and does that because maybe it's just a desire to get recognised by any means necessary mm. one of them had like a number two album recently a solo album yeah and they seem to be very prolific songwriters like producing oh, stuff right, for right, other right. people who the flower tree yeah, yeah. Oh, I really? say number two uh, number two in America which wow. is like more impressive isn't it yeah absolutely yeah and they're from London the pair of them I'm not sure yeah, which yeah. part of London but London Massive it said on that track didn't it it was London something it did didn't it yeah. there's a little Most was like yeah there. Chicago and he's like London yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't really like it, wasn't it? I thought it was okay. Oh, that was really I thought it was good, actually. I liked it. It's kind of... Well, it had a weird, like, Timberlandy thing with the guitar thing going through it, and then it had the early 90s golden age hip-hoppy sort of feel as well. So, yeah, it's yeah, it good. Wasn't familiar with them or it before. No, they were nominated for Mercury. That's the only reason. Right. It's, it's the sort of name that sticks with you in it, Flowetry. Flowetry, yeah. But I'd never listened to them, but you know the Mercury Prize. It did dawn on me, like, when I was going through, oh, another Mercury nomination. Basically, if, you, if you're English and you put an album that gets <laughs> yeah. three stars or more, you know, you're going to get a Mercury nomination. Goldsmiths have the Mercury and the Turner Prize this year. Nice one. What, won both. Oh, of course, James Blake. Do you have them like in the atrium when you walk in? Mm. Well, it's that stupid thing. It's like the, the woman who won the Turner Prize did a masters for a year there. You know, right? But you just claimed them. When what was that piece? Uh, I don't know. Actually, I read about it. Um, it's... What's her name? I can't <laughs> Sorry. Track three is the Kooks. You don't love me from Inside In, Inside Out from uh, 2006. I couldn't summarize this in one word. I had to go for really boring. <laughs> I couldn't just write boring because it's not enough to just. And even then, you know, you want to swear, don't you? You just want to use really offensive words to talk about music like this. You? I don't know. I did. Just makes me angry. Mm. I can see why people hate it. Yeah, because I'm, not, fi- not I'm just conflicted don't like now it, but... because of my whole twenty-minute feel. It's rubbish. It's not about the music. Tell me why this is. Uh, this is. Uh... Mm. Yeah. It's okay. Just... Well, I'll preface it by saying, for me, for me, I have a big problem with white boy guitar music. Of that ilk. This is exactly yeah. that. Isn't because it? it's like, of indie rock. it's just, there's nothing yeah. there. Is there? And especially, what annoys me especially is something that we might have touched on earlier with Amy Winehouse and Adele, but we didn't. There's a very particular style of singing that's out there in the last 10 years or so in Britain, especially. Ellie Goulding does it to the hilt, 
where they strain vowels in such an unnatural way. So in this song, he goes, I do that. It's like in, 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 it's a way that no one in the world actually speaks. Now, I know, obviously, there's a translation that happens between speaking and singing. Fine. And I know that... I'm glad you know that, because like, <laughs> if, if that was news to you, I'd be like... No, it's it's no but it's, 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 yeah. sometimes it's a stupid um, metric to use to say that people don't speak like that. But it's so unnatural, and it's so mannered. <laughs> I do <laughs> that. I, I can't even do but it. Even but though, yeah, the way he kind of pitches his voice is very it's just much... so kind of... Like, you'd be embarrassed to go up and sing like that in front of your friends. You absolutely would, because it's so stylized. It's so stylized. But it seems to be like the marker, how you plug into that... I am of now, you know. And people still do it on X Factor. Like, James Arthur does the same thing, but he gets away with it because he's great. Oh, no. I do that. And Amy Winehouse did it a little bit, but she got away with it because she's great. Um, But people do it again and again. And no one ever seems to write about this or notice it. I must do it myself, actually, because it's... Yeah, but it it gets on my wick no end. But it also goes back to my previous point about, you know, the Brit school producing very definite types, isn't it? It's this thing of, like... You just you listen to this and you go, all right. This is very similar to things that have gone before, and it's just like is it? it's a. Just, What's yeah. it similar to on the playlist though? Not on the playlist, but like it. it it's oh, you just, mean derivative? Yeah, well, it's just it's a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy. Yeah, there's nothing. At least what it's just faded, it and I don't want to read what it says yeah. anyway. It's it's bad Brit pop or yeah. bad bad small faces done in such a meek and just. Ugh. Have we got to a point as a culture where we're doing like Shed 7 tribute groups? Is that where we are now? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I do agree. It's, there's no sort of uh, originality in it at all. No. But at the time... But originality did, is, you know, come on. I went through the song uh, board and then at the end, when the crowd applaud and cheer, I was furious. I just yeah. wanted to like find them and ask them. I mean, obviously they're paid. I went to a kook signing. Queued up. Good, alone, looking, alone. good looking guy. I don't, know, I don't know how long this show Yeah, can this guy works for Waterstones kind of... Uh, Think sort of done a ting with him. <laughs> what were you getting signed by the Kooks? Just a load of CDs that I bought. Bought? Yeah, singles. Wow. Yeah, I like. I, this is kind of the end of the kind of uh, me listening to derivative. Yeah. Well, no, I was going to say me personally. Oh, but right, it was. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of. It was a kind of. Uh, it was the last moment of rock music. And yeah, <laughs> of that. No, but of that particular <laughs> wave of though, uh, of derivative indie rock. But yeah, Libertines, Razor Light, all that. But there was other stuff that. But there has been other stuff that has come since, and what? I've not. Um, I, don't know, I don't really follow it, man. Isn't there? I don't think so. I mean, there's, there's people with guitars making music, yeah, obviously. Right, right. But I don't know. It seems to me that kind of well, the end of something. The certainly, it was thing. the end of me listening to this kind of stuff, yeah. and I just find it hard to even go back and listen to sort of things from not just that era, but before it that, and you know, are just that kind of derivative yeah. indie rock. Well, I, I like at the time I liked it. I listened to yeah. the album recently, and I didn't hate. I wasn't sort of okay. embarrassed. I didn't hate it. I was like, I quite enjoyed about this, six or seven. Album this song, yeah, yeah, I like this song. Uh, well, in the spirit of what I said earlier, I would like to go away. If I was re- going to be really, you know, critical about myself and self-reflective on what I said earlier, I should go away and listen to it and try and get inside the head of it and why it works and why it doesn't work. Oh, it's a catchy, ri- it's it's a catchy rhythm, isn't it? That's the main. Thing. No, but I mean the kind of the, the musical Melody. culture around it and the kind of things it's it's. Pulling from and stuff. Yeah, reading too much into it, isn't it, Steve? I mean... You can never read too much into anything. I'll just probably take on board that I'm flawed as a person never listen to it again. Because I'm not I'm not going to prepare for any time into... Yeah, uh, it's my job, though. What's wrong with me? Because I don't like the kooks. Can't, you're not just going to accept catchy? I don't think that's not No, no. Catchiness is, is, is a contextual thing. Catchiness also, depends um, on... You don't, you, I think once you're doing derivative, then you can't claim catchy. Because, right. because it's not yours. 
that you you yeah, but it yeah, but it's, I'm not giving you can be, I'm not trying to give them credit. Oh, right. is, is I think you can be I think you can be derivative and catchy. Yeah. I mean there there are to get kind of fiddly about it. There's semiotic affordances in certain sounds that lend themselves to certain interpretations. So yeah, if something's repetitive and, and catchy, dun, if something dun, has a certain quality, dun. it can be catchy. And, and, yeah. and it sort of, you know, to, to make a point, supplemental to what I was saying earlier about producing things that sound very similar. Mm. As I was uh, listening to this music and thinking about this music, it made me think of Bill Drummond and Jimmy Corti, particularly not so much the KLF stuff, and the stuff that drums afterwards were, but the earlier stuff where it's the manual, where oh, it's yeah. like you know the rules, the rules of making a successful pop song, and one of the rules is make it sound like other successful pop yeah. songs. And you're like, yes, yeah, so you can be derivative and you can be successful, but I don't know how much credit you should be given for that because it's a pretty. But obvious. also, it's a, you know when you no, see no, it type I thing. Man, I was really trying to give him credit. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. No. But, but, well, what I'm saying is. You know, but no, I know what you mean. But yeah. Steve is going to go and say there's no originality, and you no, know, I'm just going to say it to you know when you see it because you can have things that sound like other things. Uh, you know, the 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 one that they had the number one with was great. Doctrine and Tardis. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, and that sounds like everything. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's a you know when you see it type thing. It's like you can do that and it can be great, and then you can do it and it can be crap. I, d- I don't even know how to whittle it down to what your uh, least favorite song is, Steve. Don't really like any of them. Obviously, on, that, on this playlist, that, that Kooks, uh, the Kooks one is a contender in it. Yeah, yeah that'd be my uh, least favorite. Track four, uh, side two, Jesse J, who you are, my least favorite. I reckon. Yeah. Why? Why, why have you? Put, I've, I just I've not, got nothing only... about it. I enjoyed. Yeah. Didn't I? Don't particularly like. I, I don't like any of her stuff. I find her a little bit annoying. She talks on records, yeah. which is annoying. Not always, but when she talks on a record, it's annoying. Don't like the music really on any of her stuff. Mm. Uh, singing, um, as I said, this is what I said about being a good singer earlier. Mm. Kind of in a kind of very broad way, technically yeah, a good yeah. singer is not enough to save a bad record, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, the, the, I read the lyrics, got very little out of that too. Well, I picked it because it's at the apex of the problems and the kind of richness on her stuff to me, because it is kind of it's doing something that's so polished. That you can't help, or I can't help, but kind of sit back and be fascinated by what's actually happening in terms of voice production. You know, that is astonishing what she what she does on that track. So when she sings that live, it's absolutely astonishing. It's it's like witnessing a great machine that you don't know how it works, and you're impressed and you're dazzled. So I'm dazzled by her, and I'm often impressed and interested in what she does. But I hate using these terms because they're so problematic and so stupid in a way. But it's, she's kind of soulless, you know. It's such a, it's such a uh, yeah. But we got a silly word. Also, no. But you can find more interesting labels, I think. Well, like here, well, I've got rather than really boring, I've got boring. Yeah. But in my, my my notes are essentially four words: boring, valuable, nice Tottenham. And I was trying to work <laughs> out that she's from Tottenham, uh, and she supports. Heath, isn't she? But she supports Tottenham. She supports Tottenham. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, How does that make you feel? Fine, isn't it? indifferent. <laughs> um, but. I thought she was boring, but then reading about her, she seems very pleasant as an individual, and I think yeah. what she's doing in terms of the sort of music she's making and the sort of things she's singing about for young people is we quite valuable. We don't care about the price tag. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, just... A video that's been viewed 260 million times by one in the, one of the biggest websites in the world and sold however many, you know, contradiction much. But anyway. But also, I just think, you know, as I say earlier... Imagine you, no possessions. But and, and this is the thing, as I say, with a lot of these tracks, I'm just trying to find something I can go on to and go, okay, that's all right. And I'm like, yeah, she seems very nice. And I can imagine 
kids listening to this and feeling a bit better about themselves afterwards, and that's great. That at least I can see some value in that. Well, I can judge it in a more uh, not interesting, but judge it in a more re- uh, generous way because I am I do listen to that kind of music all the time. Watch X Factor, watch The Voice with her on it, um, and in that in that context. It's kind of it's well put together stuff. It's polished. It's some of her tracks are really, really kind of interesting. This one though, it is on that weird turning point between. It's it's the uncanny valley thing because it's like it's like, what is this? This is this. She's not human doing this because it's so impressive. <laughs> but at the same time, look, take Beyonce, take James Arthur. They're not lattice oriented. I'll take Beyonce. You take James Arthur. Look, I think I think <laughs> Stephen's going to take James Arthur. No matter what we do. Oh, happily. But this Jesse J is. Right, there's often a criticism that gets put against classical music because it's, it's lattice-orientated because it's about musical notation where you can't notate the smears between notes. You can only notate the kind of lines of it. And Jesse J is lattice-orientated. James Arthur and Beyonce push through the lattice into the smeared, kind of, smeared vibrancy of notes. Like. So they kind of push through things and Jesse J is inside things. Just hitting and things. And she's hitting things. And she hits it so centred and so, so powerfully and so stratospherically precisely that it's... Fascinating to me as someone who's really into voice production and, and opera and things like that. But it's uninteresting. I'm going to, yeah, it, well, I, I used solos earlier. Strike that from record because I hate that concept. This has solo, this doesn't have solo. It's stupid. But there is a, a disconnect between what she's doing technically in terms of line and pitch and all that and then what actually gets produced. Yeah, I, I you know, listening to it, I was like, clearly she knows what she's doing. There is, yeah. you know, there's, you know, technical prowess there but I got nothing from it in terms of an experience there was nothing when I listened to it and I felt she's too good almost <laughs> too good no, no such thing as good next track Imogen Heap Lifeline from uh, 2011 but coming out on an album next year apparently concept album that uh, sort of seemingly spans singles from a three year period includes a track called Runtime, which is a collaboration with Intel as a part of a jogging app. Isn't this also the album where she's just asking people to send her noises? Yeah. And this is why I picked it, because the one that you said, the hide-and-seek one, that's the one I kind of knew musically. Mm, but... Much the same. Yeah. I only brought that up because I really wanted to talk about the OC. Marissa shooting Trey in that one of the all-time great TV Don't ruin it. Spoilers. Yeah. I, oh, come that's... on, come on. Just to uh, put things on the record, I've never spoiled an episode of Mind in my life. Never would. I don't think you can, can you? Exactly. <laughs> but no, talk about this one instead. I, I wanted. To, I picked it because I, at the time when that when that project got going, the the crowdsourcing thing, I was kind of intrigued by it, and I heard mm-hmm. her being interviewed, and you know these things can can turn into you know a, a gimmick mess. or whatever or a mess. <laughs> you know this idea of transcending the album and making it making it a kind of a splurged text shared between everyone the Bjork thing is like it's an app now it's this it's that fine you know do it go for it this I wasn't sure how it worked I wanted to kind of read back send something in send them I'm going to send this that's the reason I picked that but yeah it's 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 not the most interesting track musically well I'd never heard of her at all before yeah, my friend Jamie's a fan, so we sort of banged on about her. Like, She's good. Well, I think, you know, I didn't particularly enjoy this song. Yeah, but read, it's not again, great. Yeah. Reading about, about her more widely, she sounds very interesting she as an artist. So she she's is. doing interesting things. I mean, this song is straight up Bat for Lashes, Kate Bush. And you, mm. people often, when you compare a female artist to Kate Bush, rightfully so, you need to be very careful because 
people say, what? Okay, so every female artist either sounds like Kate Bush or Patti Smith. But it's it's not fair because how many male bands are compared to the Beatles? You know, there's certain touching reference points for music. And Kate Bush is such a big and, and, and interesting artist that a lot of people do sound like it. And this song, the cut glass piano, all that stuff, it's just straight out of Hounds of Love or uh, Ariel, that album. Well, it was a production that I particularly enjoyed, didn't it? Yeah. I say vocally and lyrically it didn't do much for me, but like yeah. the actual sounds that were happening, the, the, particularly the mix of sounds and yeah. the, the way that they were blended together, I thought was really mm. interesting. Yeah, and, it's almost kind of Cornelius-like. Interesting. Planet of the Apes. <laughs> She did an album called I Megaphone. And I'm a fan of Perfect Anagrams. But wasn't oh, that amazing with the I and the thing? And this was in 1999. Oh, really? No, well, it still doesn't... There was no play. iPhone, though. iMac, though, isn't it? Yeah, come on, Stephen. Yeah, but there was no iPhone. It's called I Megaphone. Oh, right, I'm with you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're saying it's and it's spelled in the same way. It's, 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 small, it's yeah, lowercase small I. And then, yeah, yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, she remortgaged her flat to set up a recording company and make an album. So she already she already owned a flat at that point. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm taking from that. <laughs> Steve's a homeowner. So he's got <laughs> We've got a club together. No, yeah, she just seems interesting in a way yeah. that you know, as I think I've made probably too clear that a lot of people on this list weren't for me i was like and and again uh, when i say this i'm never gonna go out and listen to any of their music by choice again not in the sense of mm. boycotting it i just can't imagine a time where i'm gonna go out and listen to an image and heap it's not gonna happen but um yeah it's, it's decent isn't it? she's 36 which i'm guessing means she's sort of i mean the school only opened in 1990 so she would have been 13 then Final track of side two, Bashy versus Napped. Make my day. Another one of my picks. But again, it's a pick I was sort of cornered into because you said pick a Bashy track. And I think you did that because on our music video episodes... You picked a Bashy track. I did pick a Bashy track. It's a great Bashy track. I think it's a brilliant song. It's a fantastic video. I really enjoyed it. And he's I was in, like... He's in a shopping cart being pushed down uh, Deptford Market, isn't Yeah. He? Who wants to be a millionaire? Do you know it at all? It's, it's I must so have watched it when I listened to that episode. Great dancing as well, but just yeah, a, a song mm. I really enjoyed. And when you said choose a bashy track, I thought this would be great. This will because I'd been, as I say, been struggling to so well, mm. just pick a bashy track. And I listened to other bashy songs, and I was like, oh, they're not good. Yeah, I, I like didn't like stuff. it. Yeah. No, and I, and I, I didn't like. It. But he, I think, yeah, he rhymed whore with door. Yeah, one, uh, but, like, oh. but given the picks I've made earlier, I think it, you can see why I might have picked this track. Oh yeah. Uh, what it's different. You, it's, a, it's a clumsy sample again. Isn't it? Oh well, like, yeah, yeah. It's just it's like pepper, let's right? just take a whole song, play yeah, it yeah. in the background. But with this one, they're like, make sure someone's got a pause button on that tape deck and just stop it every so often because then it's different. And you're like, kind of, but you have to study to make this happen because yeah, yeah, surely yeah. you know. I don't think you would have studied sampling in though, would he? Or it, anything it, musical, maybe. Yeah. No, just, like, no, 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 derogatory. Way. No, like, Adele. Um, in an um, interview I was reading, it said there was like no dancing, no jazz hands. Wow. That was the quote. Um, so, no, I mean, no maybe it was just all hugs, singing. It? it was just all singing, maybe. But no, they produced No, all... no, because. Not all singing, sorry. No, it's all, it's all the performing. Heavy. and I was going to say, because they produced a lot of presenters yeah. and DJs. So it's clearly. Well, it's there is tech stuff as well. There's, yeah. there's music technology. And a lot of it's okay. about. Yeah. But how much of it is dependent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How much of it is dependent on what you pick, though, do you think? On what kind of modules you pick or whatever? Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? So, yeah. It, yeah. As far as I know, it was, it's fairly grounded in kind of studio techniques, performance, 
you, who you are as a kind of an artist. Listening to this track, I thought my first thought is why is Steve not picked like with South London references? Because this will be the one. Why is he a good one? None. This I thought this will be the one. This will be the artist where there'll be loads of stuff about South London, yeah. you know, local references. But uh, he's from West London, so yeah. There is one. There is one of his tracks called something like um, "Homecoming" or something, and he, he just starts talking about West London. And I was like, "There's a track called Before Before, which uh, is sort of nostalgia." Basically, right. he references the Royal McCoy. I thought you would have gone for that, maybe Steve. No, I say I listened to a few of them, and nothing grabbed me, and then I just heard this, and I was like, unbelievable. This is just so lazy. Yeah. To do it. Yeah. So I was like, let's just talk, let's just get this in and talk more about how people are just making terrible music. If you uh, shake your record, maybe a bonus seven inch of Fallout. <laughs> Snuck Hidden it in track. there. Snuck it in there. Same song on both sides. Kate Nash, Caroline's a victim. Caroline's a victim. <laughs> uh, I've picked this song because I hate it so much. No, I've never hate. I've never hated a song as much as I hate this. Yet I was sort of compelled to it. Like, it came out um, in or was it right down what year? Two thousand seven. Yeah, right. Sort of the height of MySpace. Yeah, and it was very much a MySpace hit. But repeatedly saw it on MTV Two. You know, it was, came with a video. And as you just did, you're just there hitting a key going, Caroline's, Caroline's a victim. A victim. Really in this, the like most it. annoying like it. voice, like... it's just, I hate it so much. Like, I'm getting, the, it's on the bonus seven inch, so I can just throw it as far as I possibly can. I'll catch it, and then I'll put it in a protective <laughs> sleeve, and keep it safe forever. Uh, I love this song. I this you... might have been my favourite of all the songs. In the spirit of what we've been saying, what did you, what did you know at the time? No, I, the only, and, and a similar thing to... Amy Winehouse, the first time I heard a Kay Nash song, which was... Foundations. Which I thought was her debut. This was her debut. This was, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That wasn't on the first record. I, so yeah, I heard Foundations, and I was like, oh, Number it's like a hit. comedy song. It's a spoof song. Not compared to this. I, I love this song. I thought it was brilliant. I was horrified when she had a number two hit and like people were advertising their album as if it was something Was Foundations a number two hit? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> like I was I was horrified. I still never really gotten over it. And when I saw she was on the Brits playlist, uh, on the Brits, uh, she went to Brit school. You want like, to I thought this has to go in the thing. I can't. It's undeniable. It is undeniable. I just can't. I listen to it again. I just it just makes me want Caroline's to scratch my really face. A really victim. Hard. I'm listening to it again and again, going, "This is great." Why? Why? It's not myself on Caroline. Well, th- this yeah. is the thing. Like, um, yeah. yeah, that's the thing. Like listening to it, it I was like, this sounds interesting. Vocally, it's interesting. It's uh, a comedy li- record, I reckon. Well, lyrically, apparently, um, the fans of the Killers call themselves victims. Yeah, I'm a member ah. of that. Band. I paid two pounds to be right. a member of that. So the song is about the song. The song's about <laughs> a killer's that. fan, but she's like mates with him or something. So she's mates with killers, and she was like just writing a song about some mad fan they've got. Ah, yeah. Well, so so I thought I was like, oh, so lyrically, that's not massively interesting, but at least there's something to it. But I just really, I just really like it as a song. Yeah. And like in reading it. about her, you're like, um, you know, Kathleen Hanna's her, her, you know, musical idol, and you're like, that makes sense. That's this good. Is, this is like a Latigra single. Which this is. Yeah, yeah, but she. But that, I think, manifests more in her lighter stuff because the first album is very mockney. Right. And then she becomes very angsty and stuff like right. that. And it, it disappeared kind of thing. Yeah, I have a real problem with uh, mockney accents as well. Mm. Yeah. Or even it. more so, like, that kind of uh, mock... More modern than cockney, you know Well, what it's mean? the thing we're of, talking ch- about, isn't it? is a word that Steve doesn't like, but that Oh, it's the worst it's word in the world. It's, it's class hatred. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she's yeah, but she's it's, obviously it's, not. That's not her voice. Is but it? also the thing we were talking about earlier about that really annoying inflection that I was talking about, where people do the stretch the vowels. Where she just does it <laughs> to the hilt, and it's horrible. But I don't remember. Really that's the thing. Yeah, the, those particular elements of vocals, like there's a bit on foundations where. Uh, most of it, all of it, it's just like something about trainers or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's just like this is ridiculous. But as I say, more, as I listened to it, I was like, not really enjoying. And then read again, reading around her, um, and then I'd, I'd read somewhere that she'd like toured with like one of my favourite music acts ever, the Trachtenberg Family slideshow players, and she toured with them in the states and recorded a song with Jason Trachtenberg. And I was like, yeah, I can see that. It's mm, very similar. You I can't find it anywhere. Oh, well, actually, tell a lie. There's a version on YouTube of Jason Trachtenberg doing the song but with a violinist taking the place of Kate Nash or something, because this is the sort of thing that they, they will uh, happily do. And it is, I don't know, it's, it's odd, and I like odd stuff. I like that. If nothing else, though, what happened with Kate Nash was... What happened? What <laughs> happened? <laughs> <laughs> if nothing else, right... <laughs> If nothing else, one of the greatest comedy songs of all time emerged as a parody of Kate Nash, which is Bums and Binge Drinking by Adam Buxton. Bums and binge drinking, <laughs> binge drinking and bums. <laughs> when I get depressed, I like to go binge drinking with my chums. It is stellar. Also, to draw a contrast uh, with Adele, because I say, you know, with a lot of the tracks here, I've sort of not enjoyed them and then turned it into a personal attack on the artist because I've, I've sort of dug around and found elements of their life I don't like and then use that to justify my dislike of their music which is uh, massively unfair and I admit that for a but similarly because I like Kate Nash I was like oh, I wonder what she's like as a person I'm like oh right uh, oh she's good she's yeah. good, she's, and, like, good. She's, she's a goodie she set up this record label called Have Tempe Records mm. and when she was asked why she went I just realised I had too much money yeah, 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 and she's also set up like a songwriting program that's rolling out in schools to encourage girls not only to perform songs but to mm. write songs. And you're like, right, this is these are good things style to do hmm? with different influences. Well, well she's she, not teaching. Well, no, she? no, she she'd say listen to Bikini Kill and the Secret, yeah, yeah, yeah. and like great. I think I think that is a great. That's great. If, if that could be rolled out into schools, yeah. brilliant. If we can get Latigra on the curriculum, we're going to end up with a generation. Uh, Have you seen yeah, the under, documentary? Under the I think something like that. <laughs> Michael Gove. Well, this is the thing. It? Yeah, it's unlikely to happen uh, through Publicly. the national curriculum. Yeah, but if um, you know someone who's made money through music decides to reinvest that into, you know, Chase and Status. Do you know them? Yes. Good bands. Uh, they're setting up. They've just set up a big school for like similar thing. Yeah. And it is uh, abominable, and I'm sure mm. Adele will join me in this. That you know, uh, private individuals yeah, can exactly. fund it, and it's a dangerous precedent to set because absolutely, it's magical get, exceptionalism. Get, but, uh, but also, you you can end up with a situation where like faith groups are like, well, we've got X amount of money, can we teach your uh, religious exactly. instruction lesson? It governmentalizes everyone when that should be the opposite. You went yeah. to a church school. I did. We all went to church. We all went to church. Yes, but I went to a nautical school, Stephen. <laughs> you went to a. The, well, you're not in Church Academy, God Central. <laughs> yeah, that was on the weekends and most evenings. <laughs> oh, sorry, was that not your? No, I went to uh, a nautical school. Nautical, nautical. School. No, you know, London nautical. Sailing. We had to wear sailing Literally. outfits. You didn't know this. <laughs> I, no, did, I, I, did, I, I did. I did. I did. I did. But was it not religious? No, the, no, the, the, the uh, waves are our uh, god. Oh, right. So the religious thing was outside it. Yeah, that was a, my parents. Uh, religious, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. After the London riots, Kate Nash collected and delivered uh, goods 
for people that had lost things during the riots. Which I was like, she's just great. So like isn't she? and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, <laughs> she's restocking BHS. It's, uh... But that, is that not counter revolutionary? Uh, I think if someone's uh, windows got smashed yeah. in, like they're saying, right, Caroline thing. literally is a victim. Yeah. <laughs> I um, don't know. Maybe also, it's just the cast of Revolution. Her, her mother's maiden name is Walsh, so there's a chance we could be related. Mm. I'd like to think that we're just like distant cousins somewhere. Like She's all right. Like her. So what you're saying, Steve, really, is you've got this 12-inch here, right? This uh, album of 12 tracks from the Brit School. Yeah. But your little bonus white label. Yeah. Kate Nash single. Double Genuinely. Double play. Yeah. You're going to a desert island. Which one do you take? The seven inch. I'd get much more out of the the Kate Nash single than I would out of. I don't know. I there, you know there were sounds on the Imogen Heap songs that I like. The song that I liked. Can't isolate those. Yeah, yeah. that's the thing. Um, the another level song I genuinely liked. Right. Um, was there anything else that I liked? Winehouse, man. How do you not like that Winehouse song? Really boring. Um, boring. <laughs> Walks no, away. No, I'll, I'll take the case. This is good. This is, let, let's um, broaden this scenario. Me and you uh, doing oh, yeah. South Island Hardcore I'm Live, episode 200, on a, on a cruise ship, yeah? And they're like, uh, guys, uh, we need you to do the 8 o'clock show. And we're like, we've got the 8 o'clock show. This is fine. We'll just uh, we'll, uh, talk nice. about a time that, you know, Jack burnt his farm and like, do, do the hits, <laughs> innit? And, and, you know, we've got, sorry, we've got our um, music that we can play to, uh, you know, people will love it. It's episode 97. People are still talking about it. Stephen, uh, you know, Dr. sticking Brian's up to terrible songs. <laughs> <laughs> and the ship sinks and we land on Desert Island with a gramophone and yeah. the means to uh, power them. Yeah, the yeah. You know, there's no argument about who gets what. You get the album, I get the single. Yeah, fair this enough. is this is, isn't it nice that the way the show falls that you know uh, the show nothing falls. nothing 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 comes between us nothing comes between us we just naturally fall into these little camps which yeah, is like it's nice, nice. exactly yeah this is what makes such a strong team Caroline's a victim Caroline's a victim Caroline's a victim Caroline is our victim.